Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. You can call this the new world order of wrestling, brother. Welcome to the Royal Ramble Wrestling Podcast live on itsyourradio.com today, excuse me, July 6, 2017 here on itsyourradio.com. I am your host, Brian Sendek. With me as always, the co-host, Ryan Waterau. Ryan, how you doing, buddy? Hey, Brian. I'm doing good, man. How about you? Doing pretty good myself, man. Uh, Yes, guys, we are back. We uh, took a little bit of a time off as Ryan was, of course, uh, vacationing down in Florida. So we had no show last week, but we are back on the air. It's your radio.com. Thank you guys for tuning in. Our first episode of July, and there is so much to get into. We missed so much since the last time we were on air. Of course, we got to talk about what has gone down in Ring of Honor and New Japan Pro Wrestling. The last time we were on the air, we gave our predictions for Ring of Honor's Best in the World pay-per-view. We'll give our thoughts on that show, of course, with the big title change that happened. Cody Rhodes, the new Ring of Honor champion. Also, the G1 special for New Japan Pro Wrestling took place last weekend. A lot went down on that show. Speaking of Cody Rhodes, he challenged Kazuchika Okada for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Hiroshi Tanahashi went one-on-one with Billy Gunn for the Intercontinental title. The Young Bucks took on Rapungi Vice for the tag team titles. So did War Machine versus G.O.D. And of course, we had the huge IWGP United States Championship Tournament. We crowned a first ever champion during the G1 Special. We'll talk about who that person is. Also, guys, a lot to get into in regards to the WWE. This upcoming Sunday, we have the Great Balls of Fire pay-per-view. Brock Lesnar, of course, faces Samoa Joe for the Universal Championship. Alexa Bliss will defend her women's title against a new challenger in Sasha Banks. Uh, the Hardy Boys will look to reclaim their tag team titles against Cesaro and Sheamus in a 30-minute tag team Ironman match. I think that's the first time in history we're getting that stipulation. Also, the Intercontinental title is on the line. The Miz versus Dean Ambrose. Enzo takes on Big Cass. Seth Rollins versus Bray Wyatt. Really, really good card. But again, WWE, for some odd reason, they just don't know how to put together good shows. So we'll see what they do this Sunday. We'll give our predictions for that. Of course, some announcements going on regarding PWG's Battle of Los Angeles tournament. They have announced so far 10 names. And we'll get our thoughts on that. Also, the May Young Classic, they continue to announce names on who will be participating in this year's tournament. So, so much to get into within the next two hours. Guys, again, if you happen to miss us live on itsyourradio.com, you can subscribe to our show on both iTunes and Stitcher. Our episode today should be up at some point tomorrow. Again, guys, if you want, you want to follow us on social media, go right ahead on Twitter at RoyalRambleIYR. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Royal Ramble Wrestling. And also follow us on Instagram at Royal Ramble Wrestling. Again, guys, on iTunes and Stitcher, you want to look, you want to go back and listen to our past episodes, including some special interviews that we did with guys like Dave Christ, Scorpio Sky, All Eagle Ethan Page, 
all on there on iTunes and Stitcher. And if you want to go back even a little bit further, check us out on YouTube, our old YouTube page at Royal Ramble IYR. Listen to our early interviews that we did with former Tough Enough participants, Mata and Gigi. Really fun episodes. So guys, check us out. Give us a rating. Give us your thoughts on how our show is. Are we good? Are we bad? Let us know. And we hope, we, we hope to hear you guys, uh, your opinions on us. So let's get right into it, Ryan. Uh, again, it's been a while since we've been on uh, the air. Our last episode was uh, two weeks ago, basically. And two weeks ago, we crowned ourselves a new Ring of Honor world champion as Cody Rhodes defeated Christopher Daniels to become the new champion of Ring of Honor. Uh, when we made our predictions, I, I did predict that Cody was going to win the belt. You, Ryan, were still a little bit skeptical if Ring of Honor was going to put their world title on a, on a guy that isn't really fully committed to the company. Well, they did roll with it. Cody did beat Christopher Daniels. He's the new champion. And it, it's just crazy to see, you know, what Cody Rhodes has done ever since he left the WWE. I mean, it's now been about over a year since Cody decided to leave the WWE to try to test himself out on the independent wrestling scene. A lot of people thought he was taking a major risk. Others were cheering for him to succeed. To, to, to show that you, you don't need to succeed in WWE. You don't need to be in WWE to have a successful career in the wrestling business. All right, Cody Rhodes, of course, is the son of the great Dusty Rhodes. The younger brother of Goldust. Two guys that have made their mark in this business. And he began, of course, from the very bottom of the WWE ranks, from their from their little uh, developmental program, and he worked his way up to become a pretty damn good talent for the WWE. He's been a, a multi-time tag team champion, a multi-time Intercontinental champion. I also believe he was a former United States champion. And year by year, he started developing more charisma. He was getting better in the ring, and you would think that Cody would have uh, a, a bigger push coming to him in the WWE. Well, that did not happen, of course, as Vince McMahon at one point decided to have Cody portray this new gimmick called Stardust. And, of course, he started out as a tag team with his brother Goldust. He portrayed his brother and then went on to go on a singles run with this character. But you can just tell that he really wasn't comfortable doing it. And he wanted to change. He wanted to form his own character. And he pitched ideas to Vince McMahon in the front office. And Vince really had no interest in changing Cody Rhodes' character. He felt that the Stardust gimmick was doing well. That it was making money. And Vince just didn't see the big picture. It wasn't. All right, No one was digging the Stardust gimmick. And it was not making money. And Cody Rhodes knew that he was better than that. And you can just tell Ryan that he was trying his best to get this Stardust gimmick over. And it wasn't getting over. And that's why he pitched ideas to Vince about a new character. And Vince didn't agree with them. And Cody Rhodes then basically said, I'm out. I want out of my contract. I want out of this company. And WWE did give him his release. And we fast forward to a year later. And look at all the accomplishments that Cody Rhodes has made in the business. All right. He's taken part in a Battle of Los Angeles, one of the biggest tournaments, if not the biggest tournament in wrestling. Uh, you know, he's he was a part of the, of course, TNA Impacts, or now Global Force Wrestling's biggest show of the year, Bound for Glory. Uh, of course, he made his Ring of Honor debut at their biggest show of the year, Final Battle, where he wrestled Jay Lethal. 
He made his New Japan Pro Wrestling debut at their biggest show, Wrestle Kingdom 11, against Juice Robinson. He's done so much throughout the independence. He's a former internet champion for WCPW. The guy has made a name for himself all throughout the world. He's a part of one of the biggest, if not the biggest, wrestling faction in the business today in the Bullet Club. And now... He can call himself Ring of Honor champion. He accomplished so much in one year compared to all of his other years in the WWE. All right, Cody Rhodes proved to people that it's not all about WWE that you can make a living. You can do so much more throughout the entire wrestling world. It doesn't have to be about WWE. You don't have to be in WWE to succeed, to make a name for yourself. And Cody proved that by leaving the company that really helped, that really brought him in. And to help him, you know, make a name for himself there, he left them in the dust, if you want to say. And he's gone throughout the entire world wrestling for some of the best wrestling companies out there. And he's made a big name for himself as the American Nightmare, as a member of the Bullet Club, and now as your Ring of Honor champion. So, just a great moment when he beat Christopher Daniels. A lot of people were upset that Daniels dropped the belt too early. Um, maybe, but still... I just think that if Cody lost to Daniels, the question becomes, who does Daniels drop the belt to? Because Ring of Honor's roster is getting a lot thinner now. They don't really have a lot of main event quality guys at the moment. I mean, yeah, you got Marty Skrull, you got Will Ospreay, but they're still not there yet when it comes to main eventing uh, Ring of Honor shows. And Ring of Honor just continually loses guys left and right week by week. You know, we mentioned the names before, the guys that Ring of Honor has lost within the past year. And there's really no nobody else out there that is more worthy of beating Christopher Daniels right now than Cody Rhodes. So a great moment. Unfortunately, I didn't get the chance to watch the match or the pay-per-view. Uh, if you guys did watch the pay-per-view, heard it was very good. Uh, again, Ring of Honor. Again, you know, these guys always outdo themselves. They always put together great shows despite the loss of their talent. They always find a way to put together really good shows. And a great moment to see Cody Rhodes. You know, make a name for himself here by becoming the newest Ring of Honor World Champion. So a big congratulations to him as he continues to take this step forward on making a name for himself throughout the wrestling business. And I'm interested to see where we go from here when it comes to Ring of Honor. How long will Cody hold this belt? What's Christopher Daniels going to do next? Um, you know, what's the whole situation now? Are we going to see a little bit of a dissension within the Bullet Club? We saw a little bit of a tease from that uh, back at the G1 special. But anyways, a big congratulations to Cody Rhodes. Well-deserved on becoming champion. And like I said before, he proved to many people that it's not all about the WWE. You can, you can have a lot of success in the wrestling business and not go to WWE. And Cody Rhodes just proved that. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable what he has accomplished, like you said, uh, just one year after leaving WWE. And as if the Young Bucks weren't already proof that you could succeed outside of the world of WWE, Cody Rhodes is just even further proof of that. I mean, it's unbelievable what the guy has done. He has literally done everything. He has fought in every single wrestling promotion, uh, other than WWE, obviously, since leaving. He's, like you said, Brian TNA Impact. Ring of Honor, New Japan, and all these different independent wrestling promotions around the world, some that I don't even know exist in different states and all that. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable what the guy has done. 
Uh, now I would like to see him settle down with Ring of Honor and maybe sign a contract now that he is the, the Ring of Honor world champion. But I guess we'll see what happens over time. I think it's very, very cool that they did give the belt to him and he's not even signed to the roster. So that's interesting and very intriguing in itself. Uh, and, you know, it makes sense. Again, I was a little skeptical at first, but thinking it over, I obviously, you know, it made sense. He was facing Okada in one week's time, you know, from the pay-per-view. So they wanted to probably have Ring of Honor World Champ versus IWGP Heavyweight Champ. Uh, so it just made sense. And like, like you said, Brian, for the people that are upset that Daniels dropped the belt a little too early, I mean, I understand those frustrations because that's why I was skeptical at first of even they think Cody uh, beating him. I thought they would give Daniels a little bit longer of a title reign. But like you said, then, then the questions start to, you know, come up. You know, who, who does he lose the belt to? When does it happen? Cody Rhodes was the perfect guy for it. Uh, I just think it, it happened a little bit too soon. But you couldn't have Cody lose and then get another match somewhere down the line. Uh, again, that would be his, you know, third world title shot in a row if that happened. And, you know, again, you have to really further storylines and, you know, I think the time was right for, for them to pull the trigger on Cody. So, like you said, it's interesting to see what happens from here on out, who Cody faces, what type of a run he has, and who he eventually drops the belt to. Because, uh, like you said, the roster for Ring of Honor is getting thinner and thinner by the day. Uh, they have to really beef up some main event stars. So, we'll see who Cody defends against, and we'll see, you know, what he does. I mean, he's still booked, you know, for all these other uh, independent promotions around the world. But, like I said, I would like to see him settle down at some point with Ring of Honor and just focus on them. Uh, you know, I think all of his attention will be on the Ring of Honor world title because that's the type of guy Cody Rhodes is. He's a good representative to have for your company. I mean, heck, the guy promotes his bookings more than I've seen any other wrestler on Twitter or anything like that. He always posts where he's going to be, uh, the link to buy tickets for the show as well. So he's a great representative to have for your company. Uh, so Ring of Honor got a good star in him. And like you said, we'll see what happens uh, down the road and we'll see how long of a title reign this guy actually has. Uh, now we then fast forward to what happened this past weekend. And, of course, uh, basically history was made as New Japan Pro Wrestling took uh, had their first show ever in the United States as an entire company. Not saying that all guys like Okada and Naito were making their debuts in the United States. No, they've been performing in the United States before, but the company as a whole had their first show in the United States called the G1 Special. It took place, of course, uh, in Long Beach, California. Uh, as we take a look at the first night, of course, all eyes on the first night were the the major uh, main event title match between uh, Okada and Cody Rhodes. The match went 27 minutes and 12 seconds. Okada retained the belt. Again, not a shock to me because I, I just, even though, yes, it would have been historic to see if Cody won this match, but let's be honest, I don't see... Um, New Japan Pro Wrestling putting their world championship on somebody that is currently the Ring of Honor champion. I just don't see it happening. If that belt's going to go to anybody, it's going to be a person within the company. All right? Again, Cody Rhodes is not fully committed to New Japan Pro Wrestling, but it was still a great opportunity for him to get in the ring, to wrestle one of the best in the world, if not the best in the world in Okada. It was a good match. Some people... Gave a criticism. They said, oh, you can see that uh, Cody Rhodes, you know, he was exposed a little bit that he's not that great of a performer. I thought he did okay. I mean, look, you know, it's tough when, when you're stepping in the ring with a, guy, with a guy that's so elite, all right? Cody Rhodes has faced some great performers in his day. But a guy like Okada, you're facing one of the absolute best, one of the elite, no pun intended, of course. And it's tough to, to hang with a guy like Okada. 
Um, but still, I thought Cody Rhodes held his own. He had a very solid match. Interesting to see what happened at the end of the show where Cody and Kenny had their little confrontation in the back and basically teased that we could see a possible split up in the Bullet Club. Uh, who gets kicked out? Is it Kenny or is it Cody? I still think if they're going to roll this storyline that it could be Kenny because, you know, I just think you need a heel to uh, lead the to lead the Bullet Club and Cody Rhodes right now I think is just a better heel than Omega. I think Omega as time has moved on he's becoming more of a babyface in New Japan than Cody Rhodes. I think Cody Rhodes would get a lot more heat with the Bullet Club than Kenny Omega would. The fans just love Kenny Omega. He's just that good, but um that was a solid match. We had some other good matches as well on that show. War Machine versus the Grills of Destiny shockingly for the second time uh, in what two or three months, War Machine are yet again IWGP uh, heavyweight tag team champions. Very, very surprising. I'm not so sure what New Japan's thinking right now. A little bit of a weird booking decisions to have the that the, these tag team titles flip flop now. War Machine wins it, then they drop it to God, and now God drops it back to War Machine. Now, not sure what the thought process there is, but anyways, War Machine are now two time IWGP heavyweight tag team champions, but. I want to jump into what happened night two because I didn't watch all of night one. I watched all of night two. And when we look back at this show, Ryan, we're going to look back at what happened at night two because a lot went down. We had the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team titles on the line. We had the Intercontinental title on the line. And, of course, we had the crowning of the first ever United States champion. So we're going to start off with that. So, again, we made our predictions the last time we were on the air. Uh, who was going to win this tournament? Ryan picked Jay Lethal. I stupidly picked Juice Robinson. Uh, Juice Robinson, for the fate of both guys, Juice Robinson lost in the first round to Zack Sabre Jr. And for some freaking reason, whenever I pick tournaments, whenever I pick people to win a tournament, they somehow lose in the first round. I think that's the third time already this year where I pick someone to win the tournament and they lost in the first round. Just shows you that I'm not that really smart people. But Juice Robinson lost in the first round. Jay Lethal lost in the second round. So neither of our picks, myself or Ryan, made the finals. But as we look what happened, of course, the final four that made uh, day two for the tournament, we had Kenny Omega and Jay Lethal, uh, Zack Sabre Jr. and Tomohiro Ishii. Those two matches right there, it was Omega versus Lethal and Sabre Jr. versus Ishii. Two very good matches. Omega beat Lethal and Ishii beat Zack Sabre Jr., which led to the finals. Omega versus Ishii, two guys that are no strangers to each other. These two actually met in a tournament before uh, this past year. Of course, they faced each other in the first round of the New Japan Cup with Ishii getting the win over Omega. So, here we go again. Tournament matchup, this time no, the stakes are higher. Whoever wins makes history. They become the first ever IWGP United States Champion. And what an incredible matchup these two guys put together, right? The match went for about 31 minutes. And, you know, Kenny Omega, what else is there to say about Kenny Omega when it comes to big matches, right? Every single time the spotlight is on Kenny Omega, every single time he's in a big match situation... Kenny Omega delivers with flying colors. This guy is one of those rare talents, Ryan, that just can't have a bad match with anybody. Throughout this entire tournament, the three opponents he faced, Elgin, Lethal, and of course Ishii in the finals, the man delivered. 
He was outstanding in this matchup. And also, Tomohiro Ishii. I've been a fan of this guy. Not really a big fan of him, but I'm a fan of him. I think he's a good worker. He stood out this weekend. All right. Not only was his match with Omega great, the match he had before with Zack Sabre Jr., that was great. And Tomohiro Ishii is really, I think, one of the most underappreciated performers in that company, if not the most underappreciated. Right? This guy, I I read a crazy stat. I'm not sure if this is true. I gotta bring it up, but uh, somebody brought the stat up with Tomohiro Ishii and his work rate in the wrestling business. Uh, let me just bring this up. Um, sorry guys. Um, yeah, someone gave me the stat about Tomohiro Ishii and the amount of time that this guy works. And the amount of day-offs that this guy doesn't have, as I'm trying to bring it up right now. Uh, sorry, guys, for the delay. Here we go. Here is a random Ishii stat, and this is from uh, Lariota, Lariotto, Mr. Lariotto. You can follow him on Twitter. Tomohiro Ishii hasn't had a month off since December of 2005. So we're going on now for 12 years, people. 12 years. He has not had a month off. He has worked 138 months, 1,300 matches, with an average of 9 matches per month. That is a random Ishii stat. And if that's the case, because I'm not sure if it's true, but if that's the case, then this guy, you can make a case as the most hardest working talent in New Japan Pro Wrestling, if that's the case. That is just incredible to me, that this guy for 12 years, has not had a month off. And he's averaging nine matches per month. And he's and he's having great matches. It's not like he's having these short matches. This guy's going out there having about 15, 20, even more 30-minute uh, matches. And this past weekend may have been the weekend where he stood out the most in his career. He was that good. Against Zack Sabre Jr. against Kenny Omega. I mean, the back and forth stuff. The spots were great. That one spot on the outside where Omega did the dragon sleeper off the apron through the table. Uh, the amount of knees that Omega was throwing. Ishii came right back with clothesline after clothesline. It was hard hitting as you can make it. And in the very end, Kenny Omega, thanks to the one wing angel, became the first ever United States champion. Now... I'm not going to sit here and bash that, all right? I'm happy for Kenny. I'm happy that he's a champion once again. And if there's any person that deserves to make history in a New Japan rest, New Japan Pro Wrestling event, it's Kenny Omega because this guy has literally done it all with the company. But when I sat there, Ryan, I said, that's great and all, but this moment for Kenny Omega should be with him winning the heavyweight championship. I always have that feeling, all right? I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, Kenny doesn't deserve to be the United States champion. He does. Why doesn't he? He's a great performer. He's very recognizable to the fans of the United States. Uh, he's good marketing-wise in the United States, and we all now know New Japan is going to be doing more shows in the United States. But Kenny Omega doesn't need to hold that belt. He needs to become heavyweight champion in order to complete his career in New Japan because he's mentioned it before. He wants to have a complete career in Japan. And he's so darn close. He's done it all. The one thing that he has yet to do, and who knows if he's ever going to do so, 
is become the IWGP Heavyweight Champion. I'm not so sure why Gato isn't having this happen. I mean, yeah, I get it. Okada's on an historic run. But still, if you're Gato and you see what Omega's done for your company for the past three to four years, you should sit there and say, you know what? This guy's done so much for me, done so much for my company. I'm going to reward him. I'm going to give him the top prize in the company. And right now, I'm sitting here. I'm going to say that I'm not sure if that's ever going to happen, Ryan. He's had two opportunities to get that belt for Okada. He's failed both times. The third match between these two guys is happening, by the way, in the G1 Climax. They're both in the same block. So who knows if we're ever going to see these two guys wrestling each other again for a championship. Because that's not a championship match. It's a tournament match. Uh, and to me, that's a big shame. Because I just, I truly believe that Kenny Omega should be the one to beat Okada. Okada's beating them all. The only guy out of the guys that Okada has faced this past year, because now it's been over a year since Okada won this belt back at last year's Dominion when he beat Tetsuya Naito. The only guy I think that has ever come close to beating Okada in the past year has been Kenny Omega. And if there's any guy that is more capable enough of beating Okada, it's Kenny Omega. And right now, sitting here, I can sit there and say that we may never see that happen. But anyways, the tournament itself was fantastic. It really was. A lot of great matches in this tournament. A lot of great participants in this tournament. And what a great way to end the tournament by having night by having excuse me Omega and Ishii put together an absolute clinic for 30 minutes, showcasing their skills, showcasing why they're two of the best in the world. It was hard hitting. It was back and forth. Great spots. The fans were into it. I mean, the the U.S. fans. What made this weekend so great, Ryan? The fans were so into it. It just shows you that there are so many great fans that love New Japan Pro Wrestling. A lot of people like me and you, Ryan, yes, we don't live in Japan. But we still love and appreciate what New Japan Pro Wrestling is doing in the wrestling business. They are, personally to me, they're my favorite company right now. No one puts together better shows than New Japan Pro Wrestling. Their talent is fantastic. Their development of characters is fantastic. Their match qualities, their storytelling are fantastic. And it's finally great to see that New Japan is taking the chance to go out and put shows on outside of Japan. Because this company doesn't expand. All right? Again, this is the first time that this company ever held a show outside of Japan in the United States. And it was a huge success, so successful that now the owner of the company is thinking about doing more shows in the United States. The next one won't be until next year, unfortunately. But still, to see that the owner is now fully committed to doing more shows in the United States, that's great to hear for them. And it's great to hear for us because us fans in America, we want to go to a New Japan show. It's tough to get to Japan with the flights and the hour and, and of course the hour the time differences. It's tough. We're hoping to see more shows in America, and we're probably going to get that after the success of this first one. So a great weekend, Ryan, and big congratulations, of course, to Kenny Omega on becoming the first ever IWGP United States Champion. Yeah, I thought both nights were fantastic. I thought it was just two great nights of wrestling. Uh, again, if, if you know you're one of those people that have never seen New Japan, then this is what it's all about. And you know, this weekend was a great taste of what New Japan is like. And 
like you said, Brian, it was a huge test to see if they were ever going to come back to the United States, uh, you know, after this weekend. But it was very successful that they announced a return for 2018, which is awesome to see. Uh, you got to hope that, you know, the next show or or somewhere down the line, they come to New York. Uh, you know, that's a huge market as well. I think they're just going to stick to big markets for right now. Uh, you know, I don't think they're going to go to random places. I think they're going to stay in the big markets and they know what that is. So, it's very, very cool to see. Uh, like I said, I just thought both nights were absolutely fantastic. The second night, though, like you said, is what people will be uh, you know, talking about and remembering. The United States uh, Championship Tournament was very, very fun. I mean, uh, a lot of upsets. I really did not expect Kenny Omega to win this belt. Obviously, he was the obvious pick. Uh, we all knew that. Everybody predicted him. But I went with Jay Lethal. You went with Juice Robinson. You know, out of you know, just randomness because in New Japan with these tournaments, they – always have a winner that you don't see coming. I mean, it's basically what they've been doing for years now, except for this one. This one was very, very obvious. But, you know, thinking about it, it makes sense. Kenny Omega is a big reason why, uh, you know, this show was even taking place in the United States. He's a big, uh, you know, he's at the forefront of this expansion into the U.S. right now. He is the guy that everybody looks up to in, in New Japan. So it makes sense for him to become the first ever champion. But like you said, Brian, you know, it, you want to be happy for him, and we are, but we all know that he should be the IWGP heavyweight champion over the United States champion. Uh, but, you know, we'll see how long he holds this belt for. I don't think this is going to hurt his chances of winning the G1 still. I don't think it's going to hurt his chances of a future uh, match with Okada down the line. But it is interesting to see where he goes and what he does with this belt uh, now that it's around his waist. It was an awesome match, like you said, against Tomohiro Ishii. I could literally watch those guys wrestle all night long. I mean, that's how damn good they are. We've seen it happen in the past. Uh, a couple months ago, they faced each other. I mean, just fantastic. They, they, Those two are two warriors that, like you said, were hard-hitting. I mean, it was a physical match. It was back and forth, a lot of near falls. Uh, you know, it, it was obvious that Kenny was going to win, but, man, what a great main event. And like you said, this guy could basically go with everybody. I, I mean, Kenny Omega has not had a bad match Ever. I mean, really, I don't think that there's a bad Kenny Omega match out there. Every single time he is out there, he steals the show. And he doesn't even have to be in the main event to steal the show. Because in night one, uh, he faced uh, Michael Elgin. I think that was the best match of night one as well. I mean, Cody and Okada was also fantastic. Uh, I was really skeptical to see how Cody was going to go one-on-one with Okada. But he held his own and showed that he can hang with him. That was a very, very good main event. But I don't think it was better than Kenny Omega and Michael Elgin, which was in the beginning part of the show uh, in the first round of the of this tournament. So both nights, I think Kenny Omega knocked it out of the park and stole the show. And again, that's what he does. That's what he's known for. He's the best bout machine for a reason. Like you said, now it's going to be interesting to see what happens with him holding this belt uh, down the line. But makes sense. Like you said, he is the man that, uh, you know, made New Japan expand it to the U.S. in the first place. So it makes sense and it's fitting for him to hold this belt. And now it's going to be interesting to see what happens with him and Cody Rhodes, too, because there's seems like there's a little bit of tension between Cody and Omega as of late. Uh, but we did see o Cody come out when Omega was celebrating with the belt. He yanked the belt out of his hand. You thought there was going to be some, you know, controversy between the two. But Cody just put the belt around his waist and they hugged and everything was okay. But you could tell there's some sort of tension brewing. So that's also going to be very intriguing to see. Again, this moved storylines this week as well. It wasn't just, you know, oh, you know, this is New Japan. This is what we are. I'm just going to have a, a regular show. A lot of stuff went down this weekend 
Uh, you know, a lot of headlines are made for New Japan, and it's great to see because we want them to come back, and they will be coming back now in 2018. So a very successful weekend overall, I think, for New Japan. And that, and that really wasn't the only part of the show or the weekend that really stood out to me. Uh, again, Omega winning the belt was fantastic. But let's talk about a tag team match, Ryan, that when we look back at it, it's really one of the best tag team matches of this year. Um, the Young Bucks versus Rapungi Vice, these two teams have been going at each other for so long. Doesn't matter where. Doesn't matter if it's in New Japan or Ring of Honor. These two teams, it, it's just like Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. They're destined to do this forever. And they've had great matches in the past. All right, Their recent one at Dominion, very, very good. Their one at Wrestle Kingdom was very solid. But it's so amazing, Ryan, that as these two teams continue to face each other, the matches just get better. Again, the Dominion match was really good. The match at the G1 Special for these two teams was better than the Dominion match. It was longer, and and I, th- and I thought it told a better story than the prior two matches that they had this year. Just a great performance from both tag teams. So many great moments, near falls. Back and forth action. Both teams are kicking out of their, each other's finishers. I mean, so many good stuff between the Young Bucks and Rapungi Vice. They just have that chemistry. They really do. They're, they're one of those two they're those two teams that just know how to work together. They know how to work a tag team matchup. The Bucks winning the match, of course, was no surprise. They're gonna be these they're gonna be the champions for a little while. But what happened after the match, Ryan, really stood out. I mean, first and foremost, Ricochet came out. Attacked both Young Bucks, and he challenged the Bucks to a tag team title match, along with Rusuke Taguchi, of course, Ricochet, a part of the Taguchi Japan faction. Both Taguchi and Ricochet are now next in line to becoming uh, the number one contenders for the IWGP Junior Tag Team Championships. But after that part, Ryan, Rocky Romero got on the microphone and basically said that Rapungi Vice is done. He said that when Trent and Rocky began this tag team, they wrote a list. And this list contained accomplishments that they wanted to achieve. One of them, of course, was becoming IWGP Junior Tag Team Champions, which they did on four separate occasions. Another one was to win the uh, Junior Tag Team Division Tournament in New Japan, which they did. Um, I forgot there was another part where you know they, they wanted to do something and they accomplished that. And the final part of the list was to go their separate ways. And that's where, you know, they're at right now. To go their separate ways. As Rocky Romero announced to the world, announced to the fans there that Trent Beretta is moving up to the heavyweight division. Now, Rocky didn't say what is up with him. Uh, there's definitely some rumors that he could be retiring. He is in his late 30s and maybe he wants to retire. I'm not sure why. I think Rocky Romero is really good and I think he has a lot left in the tank. But, uh... It's really sad, Ryan, though, that we're losing one of the best tag teams in the world. Um, you know, again, Trent and Rocky had that great chemistry. They're like an unusual tandem. You know, Trent's much bigger, more good-looking. Rocky's a little bit more crazier, unpredictable. But for some odd reason, uh, they just connected well. They connected with the fans. Their chemistry was great in the ring. They have a tremendous entrance music. And they achieved a lot on the tag team scene. Again, former, uh, I mean, four-time IWGP Junior Tag Team Champions, that's a lot right there. And that's good to see that they won those many titles. And they went all over the world to make a name for themselves. And now they're going their separate ways. And you got to be happy for Trent. 
I think Trent Barretta is very underrated. He's been doing this for a long time. He's a Long Island native. He's former NXT superstar. He left that company, went to the independents, and for the past basically, what, five, six years that he left NXT, he's just getting bigger and bigger every year. And now he's taking a huge step forward in his career as he's now jumping to the heavyweight division in New Japan. And good for him. The guy deserves it. But again, in terms of Rocky Romero, who knows? I think he's retiring. There has to be a reason why they're splitting up. I mean, yeah, the New Japan wants to give Beretta this opportunity, but they are splitting up one of their best tag teams. There has to be a reason as to why they're splitting up, and I think it's because Rocky's retiring. Um, and again, that's not true. I'm not reporting it that it's true. I'm not so sure what's going on, but that's my gut feeling that these two are splitting up because Rocky's retiring. So... But when we look back at their uh, their run together, they've been what teaming up for three years, it, it seems. And they accomplished so much in three years, not just in New Japan, but throughout the wrestling world in Ring of Honor and, you know, at Wrestle Circus and PWG. They've done so much together. And it was sad to watch that moment happen. You know, Trent was emotional. Rocky was em- emotional. The fans were upset. But, uh, again, if this is the case, we wish the best of luck to both men, especially for Trent Beretta, who's taking a huge step forward in his career. He's still a young guy. And this is a big opportunity for him to showcase his skills as a singles guy. He's shown it before that he can work singles. I think he's more—he's a better tag team wrestler. But he's shown that he's capable of being a, a successful singles guy. And he has an opportunity to make a bigger name for himself as he joins the elite in the heavyweight division. So uh, a tremendous match overall between the Bucks and RPG Vice. Great chemistry, a great way to end their feud. And now we see what's next in line for both Rocky and Trent as they split up and will go on their go their separate ways. Not sure what's next for Rocky, but Trent is moving up to the heavyweight division. Should be interesting, but again, Ryan, very sad to see one of the best tag teams in the world split up like the way they did. Yeah, it's sad, but like you said, it's also very exciting as well because, you know, a lot of potential here with Trent Beretta and different directions that they could go. And I'm I'm really intrigued to see what he does moving forward. Uh, moving up to the heavyweight division is big. We all saw what, you know, happened with Kenny Omega when he moved up to the heavyweight division. Of course, he used to be a junior, but uh, he declared himself as a heavyweight the night they kicked AJ Styles out of the Bullet Club, and it did wonders for him. So, We'll see what Trent could do. This could be a huge step for his career. It really could. I mean, if he is successful, which I don't know why he wouldn't be, because like you said, Brian, I think he's very underrated talent. I mean, this could be huge. This could be the next step uh, to really making a bigger name for himself, uh, bigger than he already is. It is sad to see, though, like you said, Rapongi Vice breaking up because I thought they were great as a tag team. But like I said, they accomplished everything. They really did in three short years. I think it was three years. Uh, it, it seems like they did everything together. I mean, what more could you really ask of them? I mean, you know, they, they could have still been going for these belts, but they already won them for four t- four times. Uh, how many more times were they possibly going to win them? And, of course, we've seen them face the Young Bucks so many times already. I, I don't want to say it was getting old because I feel like I could watch those two teams go at it forever because they're that damn good and their chemistry is just off the charts. Those two teams, I think, know each other better than any two teams in wrestling today. I mean, it seems like they've faced off more times than any other uh, tag teams faced off against each other. So, I mean, how many more times are they possibly going to go for those belts? How many more matches were we possibly supposed to see from the Rapongi Vice and the Young Bucks? I think it ended on a perfect note, perfect time for them to break up, too. The G1 specials, their last, uh, last hurrah against... What better fitting tag team than the Young Bucks? And like you said, I think this match was way better than the Dominion one, and uh, way better than any of them we've seen in the past as well, because it was 
a lot longer, and the spots, I feel like, were just a lot bigger. Uh, but, yeah, it was very exciting to see, and very sad at the same time, like you said. We'll see what happens with Rocky Romero moving forward. I mean, I do think retirement is an option, because, I mean, what is he really going to do now as a singles wrestler in Japan? I really don't see him doing much. Um, I think he could easily retire and become uh, a coach or a personal trainer. We did hear rumors uh, a while ago that WWE was interested in him. Um, I think he'd be a great personal trainer to be at the Performance Center, uh, similar to some guys we've seen go there in the past, such as like Steve Carino and uh, other talents and other you know uh, big name you know big names in the wrestling scene. So I think that's also an option. I mean, I do think he has a future in something because he's a veteran in this business. Uh, but I just don't think you know as an active pro wrestler he has a lot more really to offer. I mean, I just don't see him being a successful singles wrestler in Japan. I think Rapongi Vice was the best thing that ever happened to him because it gave him something to do. Uh, but, you know, like you said, Brian, it's sad, but I think it's also very exciting because I'm intrigued to see what Tremperetta does moving forward here. Yeah, it's a good opportunity for him. And again, you know, like, like you mentioned before, there have been rumors out there when um, WWE had that raid, and I quote raid, Back in 2016, January, when they signed uh, AJ Styles, Nakamura, Gauss, and Anderson, they were also interested in bringing in Balak Fale, Tamatanga, and Rocky Romero. And Romero's case was to become a trainer, not a wrestler. Uh, that didn't happen, of course. Rocky stayed with the company, continued his work as a tag team wrestler for New Japan. And now with this tag team splitting up, maybe Rocky takes that opportunity, goes to the WWE to the Performance Center and becomes a trainer or a coach, like you said, Ryan, uh, for young up-and-coming talents that are trying to make it into the WWE. So we'll see what happens with that, but still sad to see one of the best tag teams in the world split up the way they did. Uh, more talk on New Japan Pro Wrestling, of course. Uh, we didn't get into this, of course. We were not on the air last week, but uh, they did announce the blocks for the G1 Climax Tournament. Uh, we all knew who the participants were, but we didn't know yet who is in each block. So the blocks were announced, and here's what we have right now. Two blocks of ten, of course. In A block, we have Hiroshi Tanahashi, uh, Togi Makabe, Yuji Nagata, Kota Ibushi, Hiroki Goto, Tomohiro Ishii, Yoshihashi, Balak Fale, Zack Sabre Jr., and Tetsuya Naito. In B block, uh, Satoshi Kojima, Michael Elgin, Juice Robinson, uh, Okada, Toriano, Kenny Omega, Tamatanga, Minoru Suzuki, Evil, and Sonata. So, right then, of course, the, the, the biggest thing that stands out the most when you look at these blocks is that Omega and Okada are in the same block. Uh, I mean, first and foremost, I'm happy that they're keeping Kota and Omega away from each other because I still believe if you're New Japan Pro Wrestling, you have to roll with that match at some point. But at the same time, when you think about it, I'm like... Alright, we all know we're getting Omega versus Okada 3, but does it really have to happen in the G1 Climax Tournament? I just think it kills it a little bit, because first off, this third match will not be for the title. It's just a normal, regular singles match, and you can't have that between Omega and Okada. This third match has got to be for the championship. And that's not what we're going to get. We're going to get a normal, regular singles match. And I think New Japan is missing a big opportunity of having this rubber match be a championship matchup. That's what I think should be. But personally, Ryan, I, I, I again, and this goes back to the uh, the best of the Super Juniors. Why is Okada in this tournament? 
And, and and this is not the first time they're doing this. Uh, every year when they have the G1 Climax, the heavyweight champion of the world is in this tournament. Why, though? I, I don't understand, you know, because whoever wins this tournament will get an opportunity for your title. Why are you taking part in it? I never understood it. And the same goes for the Super Juniors. Why was Takahashi in this tournament? Maybe because they need some people. But still, though, I think uh, New Japan could have found somebody to take Okada's spot. They have some names out there that could be in this tournament. So, and New Japan is killing an opportunity to have this rubber match between Omega and Okada. Because it's not going to be for the title, and that's what it should be. It should be the, for the championship. And on a personal note, I'm upset that this is happening at the G1 Climax because my little booking story may not happen now. Again, guys, if you don't want to, don't know what I'm talking about, the last time we were on the air, I pitched out a idea, a story that could happen where Kota Ibushi wins the G1 Climax tournament. Um, Omega versus Okada 3 happens, the last big event of the year for New Japan before Wrestle Kingdom. That's where Omega beats Okada for the championship, finally ends the reign, and becomes the champion. And then Omega defenses, defends that title at Wrestle Kingdom 12 against Kota Ibushi. That's what I was hoping for, and let's be honest, that makes a whole lot of sense. But now, with this scenario that we're in right now, where Omega versus Okada 3 is happening in the G1, I think the chances of my storyline happening are very slim. Not saying Kota Ibushi can't win the tournament, he can still win it and possibly challenge Okada for the championship, which I would love to see as well. But I think it does kill the idea of this happening when Omega and Okada 3 is happening in the G1 because, let's be honest... Are we going to see a fourth matchup between Omega and Okada? I don't see that happening. I think this match between these two guys in the G1 will probably be their final encounter. For a long time, if ever, if Kenny Omega decides to leave for the WWE, this could be their final encounter. And just and I just think that's the wrong place to do it. This match should be some other place for the championship. And that's not the case here. This is going to be a normal singles match. And that's my problem with it. Again, I'm happy they're keeping Kenny and Kota away from each other. Because to me, that's the matchup that has to happen. But it does kill the fact that Omega Okada 3 is happening in this tournament. Where I just think it's better served to have it at the final pay-per-view. The final big event of the year for New Japan. And then again, Omega wins that belt. And then base and then defense and against Kota Ibushi. So... I mean, when I look at the tournament right now, who do I think is going to win this tournament, Ryan? Uh, again, there's so many guys that you can pick. Uh, again, Kota Ibushi, to me, there's a great chance he can win this. There's got to be a reason why they're bringing him back as Kota Ibushi. Um, I'm not so sure why you know they had him wrestle under Tiger Mask. To me, that just made no sense. I'm not sure if that was just for punishment for Kota going to the WWE. I'm not sure what that story was, but he's back as Kota Ibushi, and there has to be some sort of reason why he's back as Kota Ibushi. Uh, maybe they want to push him back as Kota Ibushi, and he becomes uh, the winner of this tournament. But I personally think right now, Ryan, if I had to make a guess, I think it's going to be Naito. I really do. Uh, he dropped the Intercontinental Championship. I said it before that it's time for him to get back in the world title scene. And, you know, why not revisit a possible Okada-Naito match? 
or let's say if it does happen, Omega versus Naito 2 from their classic back at last year's G1 have these two guys face each other at Wrestle Kingdom 12. I think Naito is going to get that big opportunity yet again. Why not? He deserves it. He's one of the best in the world. He's my personal favorite Japanese wrestler in the world. But it's a toss-up, Ryan. I mean, some people think it's going to be Okada that wins it. Other single Omega can make it back-to-back. I mean, I'm not so sure if that's going to be the case, but you never know with New Japan. Uh, the field this year is very, very strong. A lot of guys have the chance to win this tournament. I think it's going to come down to four guys. It could be Okada. It could definitely be Omega. But personally, if I had to pick one uh, who, who has the best odds of winning, I'm leaning towards either Kota Ibushi or Tetsuya Naito. Between those two guys, I have no freaking clue. But the blocks were announced. The G1 Climax is happening very soon. I believe two weeks from now is when it officially starts. It's going to be a fantastic tournament. And it's very intriguing because we don't know who's winning this year. I mean, last year we didn't know, but... That promo that Kenny Omega cut before the tournament began, you just had the feeling that it was going to be Kenny. This time around, it's a toss-up with Kota Ibushi coming back, with Naito there, with Kenny possibly making it back-to-back, with Okada there. It's a huge toss-up, so I'm not so sure who's going to win. We're going to make our predictions on this, I hope, some point next week. I'm not so sure. Uh, if we're going to be able to make predictions, because I'm going on vacation very soon. i got to figure out when we're doing our next show, if we're, we're going to do a next show before I leave for vacation. But when you look at the field, Ryan, it looks really strong. And right now, if I had to sit there and say who is the favorite to win this tournament, I'm not so sure. It's a major toss-up, but that's great. You want these tournaments to be toss-ups. You, you don't want this to be too predictable and sit there and go, oh, yeah, this guy's going to win it. Uh, I knew that from the beginning. This time around, we don't know. Same thing that went for the best of the Super Juniors. We didn't know who was going to win. There was so much great talent in that tournament. We didn't know who was going to win. And the same goes for the G1 Climax. So I'm really looking forward to seeing this tournament go down. And this year's tournament winner is a humongous toss-up. And I'm looking forward to seeing what direction New Japan goes with this tournament. Yeah, I mean, uh, the chances of Kenny Omega going back-to-back are getting thinner and thinner. I really think so. I mean, day by day goes past... And, you know, they announce the field, like you said, and we see him winning the uh, United States title. And you see his feud, you know, that's upcoming with Cody Rhodes, it seems like. It seems like his chances of winning the G1 are getting a lot thinner. And, again, he is the obvious choice because, again, we want to see that rematch at Wrestle Kingdom next year. But the fact that they're giving away the third match uh, in the G1 Climax makes me think that this is not going to go down next year at Wrestle Kingdom. Like you said, Brian, it just... It's a huge missed opportunity, I feel like, for New Japan uh, by putting Kenny Omega and Kazuchika Okada in the same uh, block and having them face off on the last day of the tournament. Now, you know that the you know the block winner here is going to – this is what it's going to come down to right here for I – I don't know if this is – I think this is the B block uh, that Omega and Okada are in. This is going to be the final day of the B block, and this is going to come down to those two guys. I mean, usually when they – put, you know, the last matchup on the last day, and it's a big match like this. I think last year was Okada and Tanahashi uh, on the last day of their block. They always usually do this New Japan because it, it just seems like whoever is going to win this block is is going to be determined in that match. And uh, I think that's the case with this easily. I think, you know, it's either going to come down to Omega or Okada winning that block. And then, like you said, either Kota Ibushi or, um, you know, Tetsuya Naito winning the other one. I believe Naito's in the other one. I have to I have to look at that again. But like you said, I think Naito has a great shot to win this. I think Ibushi has a great shot to win this. 
I think it's possible that Okada can win as the champion, and I think it's still possible that Kenny Omega could somehow pull it off, but again, chances of that are getting thinner. You know, he was the first foreigner to win it last year, so is he really going to go back-to-back? They're going to give it to a foreigner again for the second year in a row, and it's going to be the same guy? I don't think so. I think that that is very unlikely to happen. And at this rate, with Kenny holding the IWGP United States title and, you know, a feud with Cody Rhodes is brewing, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the match at Wrestle Kingdom next year. Cody Rhodes versus Kenny Omega for the IWGP United States title. I mean, I can see it easily. That's a big-time matchup right there. I mean, obviously, that could determine, you know, if Kenny's leaving the Bullet Club or not. You know, we know that he signed a one-year deal. I think he signed a one-year deal for next year, and I'm sure it expires around the time Wrestle Kingdom uh, happens. So that could be Cody's way of winning the belt, and maybe they kick Kenny out of the Bullet Club. I have no idea, but that's a possibility. Uh, but again, there's so many different directions they could go with this. The story is is very compelling. I'm interested to see what happens. And again, Okada Omega 3 happening here is interesting, but at the same time, it's disappointing as well because, of course, we want that third match to be bigger. We want the stakes to be higher. We want it to be a title match. And you know, again, what, what is Kenny going to beat Okada uh, in a non-title match? I mean, that's not going to be good storytelling, the fact that he can't beat Okada when it's a title match. But, hey, the one time it's not a title match, he finally beats him. I, I just think that doesn't make sense. I think it's very unrealistic. Uh, again, if you're going to have this match and it's not going to be for the championship, I'd rather have Okada win because I'd actually be tight if I see Kenny beat Okada uh, non-title match because again to me it makes no sense why couldn't he beat him when the title's on the line if that's the case so mm-hmm. we'll see what happens but so many different directions that they could go it's very intriguing stuff uh, I can't wait for the G1 to get underway like you said Brian in two weeks I think uh, July 17th is night one of the G1 and I think it's free just like the uh, best of the Super Juniors was uh, the first night so for anybody who does not have New Japan World, you get the first night of the tournament for free. 19 nights uh, of this tournament. I mean, it's pretty crazy. The G1 is one of the best tournaments in pro wrestling. Uh, it's just incredible. I've been watching it the past two years, and this year it's going to be freaking awesome as well. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for it to get underway, but the possibilities are just endless. But I'm with you, Brian. I think Naito right now is my pick. He has the best shot, I think, to win this tournament as of right now. Absolutely. I mean, if I had a root for somebody, I would want to see Kota win because uh, I'm just that big of a fan of Kota Ibushi and he deserves the opportunity. I don't think he's ever gone. I mean, under. Uh, I mean, as he did get an opportunity to wrestle for the title this year when he was Tiger Mask. I'm talking about as Kota Ibushi. I don't think he's ever gotten a world title opportunity and he deserves it. He's a fantastic talent. But uh, again, like you said, Ryan, who knows? They have so many uh, different directions that can go. Uh, with this and I'm very curious to see what direction they are heading into as we are inching closer to the end of the summer and and then once we get into the fall course we're going to be looking at Wrestle Kingdom 12 and we all know how big of an event that is so we'll keep an eye on that the G1 Climax does begin I believe two weeks from now speaking of tournaments we're going to touch on this very quickly um the Battle of Los Angeles is one of the biggest tournaments of the year and over the past week, basically, PWG's Twitter page, at OfficialPWG, you can follow them there, have been naming, uh, announcing some of the participants that are taking part in this tournament. And so far as we speak, we have seen 10 names announced. we got 14 more to go. 
Um, first off, we have the first entrant, and that is the uh, the Luchador Flamita. Not very familiar with him, but uh, he's done a lot of work, of course, in Mexico. Uh, he actually took part in the Super Strong Style 16 tournament uh, for Progress Wrestling. He's a very good talent, so he was the first entrant. Next uh, uh, three entrants, we have, of course, Keith Lee who was one of the best big men in the world. And when you look at Keith Lee and, and in this tournament, he has to be one of the favorites. Another big guy, uh, Walter, a pretty popular fellow on the UK independent scene, will be making his PWG debut. He's the third entrant. The fourth entrant is another UK wrestler making his PWG debut and a guy that is no stranger to winning a tournament, and that is Travis Banks, who, of course, won that Super Strong Style 16 tournament uh, a couple of months ago. One of the hottest wrestlers right now in the world today is Travis Banks. Uh, participants 5 through 7, we got Phoenix, who will be taking part in his third uh, Battle of Los Angeles tournament. Uh, Desmond Xavier, good Good opportunity for him. Great up-and-coming young talent. He's uh, in this tournament. So is Donovan Dijak. Really surprising there. Donovan Dijak uh, has been around, and he has yet to make a, an appearance in PWG. What better way to debut in this uh, company than by taking part in their biggest tournament? So he's the seventh participant. And then yesterday they announced uh, the next three participants, which are Jeff Cobb, who will be in his second Battle of Los Angeles, Trevor Lee, who will be in his fourth, and uh, Flash Morgan Webster, who will be in his first. So, 10 names in. When I look at it, Ryan, first off, it's a great field right from the beginning. And we still have a lot of guys that have yet to be announced. And I'm talking about Zack Sabre Jr. I'm talking about Marty Skrull. I'm talking about Sammy Callahan. Uh, talking about, you know... To, uh, some other big names out there in the independents that are not in this tournament yet that will be a uh, great field so far um I i'm really excited for some of the new guys going to pwg especially donovan dijak great opportunity for him um you know former top prospect tournament winner for ring of honor he left that company he's done some great stuff on the independents great chance for him to showcase his skills in front of uh, the receded crowd um, also happy for Travis Banks. This guy has had a breakout 2016, excuse me, 2017 uh, tag team champion, super strong style 16 tournament winner. He's now getting his world title shot against Pete Dunne in September. Great opportunity for Travis Banks to win that belt. So that's cool to see him get in. Of course, Keith Lee and Desmond Xavier, two of my favorites today, especially Keith Lee, who I think is the best big man in the business today. He's been fantastic since he left Ring of Honor. Uh, and, of course, some familiar names. Trevor Lee, uh, who last year was a part of the, the finals of the uh, Battle of Los Angeles with uh, Will Ospreay, Marty Skrull, um, you know, Jeff Cobbs, another guy that is no stranger to this tournament, Ray Phoenix as well. So uh, early look for Battle of Los Angeles looks really good, Ryan. Of course, it happens uh, early September, 3-9 event. Uh, it's one of the best events, best weekends of the year, basically, in wrestling. Uh, some of the best matches you'll see. Awesome stuff throughout that weekend. And so far, 10 names in, Ryan. Uh, this year's Bola should be very exciting, like, the, like in years past. So I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. And I'm looking forward to seeing who else will be in this tournament. Because like I said before, there are a lot of big names that have yet to be announced. ZSJ, Ricochet, Marty Skrull, Will Ospreay, Sammy Callahan. Uh, you name it. A lot of names yet to be announced that are probably going to be in this tournament. So, so far, Ryan, 10 names in. This tournament looks like it's going to be very, very good. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the 10 names are, are awesome so far that they announced. 
like you said, a couple of returning names and a couple of new faces as well, which is always great to see. Uh, you know, again, PWG continues to be one of the best wrestling companies out there, getting some of the greatest talent from all over the world. Uh, the fact that they are not streaming on anything or not don't have, like, obviously TV deals or anything like that, they're allowed to bring in some of this talent that's that could be contracted to uh, certain companies. They're allowed to bring them in because they're not shown on TV or on live streams and stuff like that. Uh, so it continues to be one of the best promotions out there. And like you said, there's a ton of names that still got to be announced. Like you said, you mentioned some of them. Uh, again, th this is also another unpredictable tournament here. Uh, and it's one of the best weekends, like you said, of pro wrestling because some of the best from all around the world come to compete in this tournament in the Battle of Los Angeles uh it's just it's gonna be another great night uh it's very unpredictable i couldn't can't even sit here right now obviously I, I know like the field is not completely set yet but usually you know we know some of the names that are going to be announced and we know who's going to be in this tournament i'm sitting here thinking and looking at the possibilities and i have no freaking clue who the hell could win this year i mean anybody can win at this rate you know i definitely did not see marty Skrull winning last year that shocked me and that obviously we know what that did to his career it just boosted it up even more so i think whoever wins here has a huge opportunity to have a great rest of the year and a great 2018 too so exciting times are ahead i can't wait to see what the rest of the field look, looks like and uh again september is when the battle of los angeles takes place i cannot wait for it yeah absolutely and again that should be uh, an exciting tournament no doubt about that so uh, one hour in, guys. Again, if you want to follow us on social media, go right ahead on Twitter at Royal Ramble IYR. You can like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Royal Ramble Wrestling. Also, give us a follow on the Instagram at Royal Ramble Wrestling. If you happen to miss us live on radio.com don't forget subscribe to our show. iTunes and Stitcher, our episodes will usually go up the day after, so expect this episode to hit iTunes and Stitcher uh, some point tomorrow. Uh, and again, guys, you also want to go back and listen to our old episodes, subscribe to our show there. We did some past interviews, of course, with guys like Dave Christ, Scorpio Sky, uh, Ethan Page. Uh, also, if you want to check us out on the YouTube at Royal Ramble IYR, you can look at our past interviews that we did in our early days with uh, Tough Enough participants, uh, Mata and Gigi, fun, inter fun interviews they were. So uh, check it out, guys. Give us a rating. Give us your thoughts on how our show is going. So... Let's jump into some WWE, Ryan. Um, <clears throat> a lot went down this week for the WWE. Uh, again, for Monday Night Raw's sake, they are doing their final building up to uh, the Great Balls of Fire pay-per-view, which happens this Sunday. Uh, again, the card looks really, really good, but that doesn't mean it's going to translate into a great show. We said the card for Money in the Bank was fantastic, and that show disappointed other than the main event match. So... You can't just look at the card and say it's going to be a great show because you just never know when it comes to WWE. Because when we look at WWE shows, Ryan, what do we judge on the most? We judge on the booking, and a lot of times it's the booking that determines how the show is. If the booking sucks, the show sucks. If the booking is good, the show is a success. And for WWE these days, their booking has not been good. And as we look at this Great Balls of Fire pay-per-view, of course, we got to start off with Samoa Joe and Brock Lesnar. The Universal Championship. I will say this, Ryan. They have done a fantastic job in building up this feud. Ryan. They have tremendous, you know, from the very beginning where Samoa Joe and, and Paul Heyman had their confrontation. And Joe choked out Paul Heyman to send a message to Brock. The very next week, Brock Lesnar comes out and him and Joe have an all-out brawl. Fantastic stuff. 
And then, of course, Joe came out, attacked Brock Lesnar two weeks later, uh, uh, choking him out with the Coquina Clutch. And then this past Monday, these two guys were sitting, not in the same room, but separately interviewing uh, about each guy, and, and it almost led to another brawl. And the story has been so good, Ryan, but when you think about it, the way WWE has booked Samoa Joe the past month, basically, ever since he won the uh, the Fatal 5-Way match at Extreme Rules, they have booked him like a beast. They have booked Samoa Joe the way he should be booked, the way he was booked in Ring of Honor, the way he was booked in TNA, and the way he was booked in NXT. They are booking him that way. Just a guy that's a freaking badass, goes out there, chokes people out, gets in the face of his opponents, talks really well. He's a true heel. But it's so sad, Ryan, that they're booking him so freaking good that he's not going to win this championship from Brock Lesnar. There are only two guys in this company that can stand toe-to-toe and beat Brock Lesnar, in my opinion. It's Joe and it's Braun Strowman. The only two guys right now that are believable to step in the ring with Brock Lesnar, give him an absolute battle, and possibly beat him for the championship. Nobody else can do that, especially with the way Brock is being booked. Joe and Braun are the only two guys believable to take it to Brock Lesnar. And they've done a fantastic job in booking Samoa Joe as a credible threat to beat Brock Lesnar. Is it going to happen? Probably not. Should it happen? Absolutely. Now, it may be too early for Samoa Joe, but I'm hoping it happens because you know my feeling, Ryan. I, I don't want Brock Lesnar being the champion anymore. And it's no disrespect to Brock Lesnar. I think Brock's fantastic. He's a huge draw. The fans like this guy. He can play a face. He can play a heel. But he's a part-timer. And that's the biggest reason why I want the belt off of Brock. He's not there all the time. And that should not be the case when you're the champion. When you're the Universal Champion or the WWE Champion, whatever belt you're holding, you should be on the show at some point every single week. And that is not the case with Brock Lesnar because that's not what his contract says and that's not his role in this company. And I just want a full-timer to be the champion right now. Now, when we look at the big picture, Ryan, who is going to be Brock Lesnar? It's a no-brainer. It's going to be Roman Reigns. Whether it's at SummerSlam or WrestleMania, Roman's going to be the guy to beat Brock Lesnar. And hey, I'm not going to be one of these people, one of those people that says, oh, bullshit, it shouldn't be Roman, blah, blah, blah. No, I don't care. Just get the belt off of Brock Lesnar. But when we look at this current feud right now, Ryan, between Joe and Brock, doesn't it make a little bit of sense or a lot of sense to have Joe do it? Then Roman Reigns, we've seen Roman versus Brock already. It was a failure at WrestleMania 31. For some reason, people love the match. I thought it was shit. Brock Lesnar, for basically 15 to 20 minutes straight, destroyed Roman Reigns. Yeah, Reigns for the final 10 minutes, he dominated, but still. That's the main event of your show. The match should have never gone that way. And if it wasn't for Seth Rollins saving the freaking show, saving the main event... That would have been one of the worst main events in the history of WrestleMania. And I'm not interested in seeing this happen again. I want to see new challengers for Brock Lesnar, like Samoa Joe, like Braun Strowman, who I think should be next in line to face Brock Lesnar or whoever the champion is. Not Roman Reigns. It should be Braun Strowman. He deserves it. But again, Vince McMahon has his love affair with Roman Reigns. He's the face of the company. But it is a shame, Ryan, 
that they're finally building up a guy like Samoa Joe into this dangerous beast, this guy that will take it to Brock Lesnar, and at the very end, he's not going to win the championship. Now, again, all I'm hoping for this Sunday, Ryan, is that it's a competitive match. That's what I'm hoping for. I don't want to see, and I know I keep saying this every single week, but I don't give a shit. I don't want to see another Brock Lesnar domination. I do not want to see that happen. I don't want to see Brock Lesnar suplex Joe 10, 15 times, F5 him twice, and win the match. We've seen that enough. It's time for a change. And with the way they've been booking Samoa Joe, if they go that route of having Brock destroy Joe, that will kill Joe's image. It will. And if you're Vince McMahon, that's not what your goal should be. Your end goal should be, yes, we're not putting the belt on Joe, but we're going to make Joe look like a freaking superstar. So at some point in the future, he could become champion. Why not? Samoa Joe is a seasoned veteran. He's capable of being a world champion in the WWE. It's not going to happen now, but definitely, Ryan, you got to sit there and hope that it could happen some point down the road. And with the way they're booking him, Ryan, I think he would be a fantastic champion. He would be a believable champion. The fans are already digging Samoa Joe. Again, he's not going to win this Sunday, but for the love of God, can you at least have Samoa Joe take it to Brock Lesnar like no one has taken it to Brock before? Can you do that, please? Can you have Joe at least get close to being Brock Lesnar? Again, I'm not sure that's going to happen. Because WWE, just with their booking these days, they're just so out of whack. We don't know what the booking is going to be with this match. We know Brock's going to win, but we don't know how the match is going to go down. It's not a guarantee that Joe is going to give it to Brock Lesnar. We don't know. WWE is so out of touch these days. So again, the, the, the segments each week between Joe and Brock have been fantastic. It's going to be a damn shame to see Brock retain his championship because Joe deserves it. But again, in the very end, all I'm hoping for, Ryan, is to have a competitive match. If it's not going to be competitive, if it's going to be your typical Brock Lesnar domination bullshit, then you know, it, then it's at, then, then I'm at a point where what's the point of watching this company anymore when they just continue to let the fans down? You can't do that this time. Let Joe take it to Brock. Not saying he's going to win, which he's he's not going to win, but at least have Joe step in that ring with Brock and take it to the beast. Give him an ass whipping. Give him a vow that Brock has never faced before. If they can do that. I'll be happy. In the very end, though, it's going to be a shame, Ryan, to see Samoa Joe not become champion this Sunday. Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, kudos to the WWE for the incredible job that they have done so far with this feud. I mean, it has been so freaking good, Brian. I can't remember the last time they actually booked a world title match this good. I mean, it has been unbelievable. Like you said, from the moment that Joe choked out Paul Heyman with the Kakina clutch to the brawl that got the whole locker room coming out to separate them apart to basically Joe getting the better of Brock that night, as most people said, to Joe choking Brock out during his entrance two weeks ago uh, with the Kokina clutch. Everybody ran out again to pull Joe away. I mean, to this past week's segment where they're both in a room for having an interview and they're just trash-talking each other. And I love the fact that Paul Heyman wasn't trash-talking uh, Joe for Brock. I liked how Brock was actually doing it for himself for once. And then Joe just was not backing down. He was going right at Lesnar until the point where he got tired of the interview, walked off, tried to find Brock, 
and found the room, but obviously did not get in there as everybody was holding him back. But I'm telling you, Brian, it has been unbelievable the work they have done so far for this feud. And I know what you're saying, too, with, with the match this Sunday and how you're a little skeptical because of how the booking has been. But this has given me so much hope that this is actually going to be booked the right way. Because how could it not after this? I mean, you know, I think Joe could be a real winner coming out of this. I, I don't think he's going to win the match necessarily. Is That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying coming out of this, Joe can look good. He can. He it could really jumpstart his career uh, even more so if he has a great match with Brock Lesnar and loses like you know like like you said Brian if it's back and forth and he comes close he gets some decent offense in I think it could do wonders for him moving forward I really do I think it could really uh, push him into a main event star and a champion somewhere down the line because it shows that he can hang with Brock Lesnar and he almost beat Brock Lesnar but like you said if it's suplex 10 15 times and two F5s and and that's it and they win the match and Joe just looks really really bad uh, again it can really really hurt him moving forward and after how well this has been booked that would just be a total waste of time i mean like you said uh, joe has been booked like a total beast and a freak and just this guy who does not back down to brock lesnar does not back down to and he doesn't back down to any challenge that's put in his way we have not seen that in quite some time for anybody that's gone up against brock lesnar as of late so I'm really intrigued to see how this match goes down on Sunday after the build that we have been getting. Uh, it's I think it's going to be awesome. I really do. I really think it's going to be a back-and-forth match, something we haven't seen in a long time. I don't think Joe's going to let that happen. I mean, of course, I I know he has no say in it, you know, the way they choreograph these matches and stuff, but I'm telling you, I think Joe's going to get some offense in, and I think he's going to come close, and I think there's going to be a moment in the match where we think, holy shit, Samoa Joe could possibly win this. But like you said, Brian, it is a shame that with the work that he has done so far in this feud, that he's not going to win and he's not going to become champion at this time. But it is great to see him get the opportunity. And like I said, if he looks strong coming out of this, it could do wonders for him and it could really jumpstart him and push him in the future uh, on becoming a champion. So I, I can't wait for this match on Sunday. Probably mm -hmm. one of the uh, biggest matches that I've been looking forward to in quite some time in WWE. So I'm looking forward to it. It should be good. Yeah, it should be really good, and again, you know, like you said before, if they have Brock do his typical squashing of his opponent, it was a huge waste of time then to book uh, the book Samoa Joe so dominantly this past month. What was the point then? If you have Joe come out so strong every single week, and you're going to have him get his ass kicked by Brock Lesnar and lose within 10 minutes, then what was the point of that? You just wasted a full month of making this guy Samoa Joe I'm talking about like a like a superstar and then you're gonna have him get his ass beamed by brock lesnar just like that then you just killed samoa joe basically because again you know he may not be champion but in the end your goal should be to build samoa joe as a big time superstar and he's capable of being that it's samoa joe he's been doing this for 18 to 20 plus years so we'll see what happens with that match as for the rest of the card uh braun versus roman i am looking forward to this match because they do have the chemistry it's been a, a long feud, but this is definitely going to be the end of it. And what better match to have this end in an ambulance match? It's going to be physical. There's going to be some cool spots. The back and forth between these two guys have been really, really good. Um, again, you know, I think this should be the match that puts Braun Strowman in the world title picture. But is it going to happen? Who knows? Roman Reigns may win this matchup, but we'll see what happens. They've been booking Braun so dominantly as well. He's been been freaking tremendous since the brand split 
Uh, of course, Roman Reigns is the face of the company, so we'll see what happens with that. Uh, there are segments each week have been really, really good. Uh, Sasha Banks, Alexa Bliss for the Women's Championship. Um, the whole women's division right now is really confusing to me, Ryan. Uh, especially, I mean, I'm happy for Sasha that she's getting this opportunity, but I mean, what? Are, again, we we talked about this a number of times. What are they doing with Bailey? I mean, it, it's an absolute shame where Bailey's at right now. I mean, after the run she had in NXT. Where she was the face of the women's division. She was one of the pioneers, as you want to call it, for the NXT revolution. Her match, in my opinion, with Sasha Banks at TakeOver Brooklyn was the match that put NXT on the map. And she gets to the main roster and she's not the same. And it's mostly because of booking. You know, she she didn't lose her talent. You can't lose talent. If you have talent, you're gonna be stick you're gonna be stuck with it. And yeah, Bailey might not be the best microphone worker. She is underwhelming, but you know, the way they have constructed her character, it's so stupid. You know, they're making out they're making her like this childish kid and yeah, her gimmick is a, like a, a like a childlike kid, but doesn't mean she can act like a child on the TV screen. No. I mean, in NXT, yeah, she portrayed the same gimmick, but she was a lot tougher. She had more heart and more passion. On the main roster, she's acting like her character. She's acting like a little child, like a little wuss, and that is killing her image. So right now they got nothing for Bailey. I'm hearing rumors that they scrapped the whole idea of the Bailey Grave storyline where Bailey never kissed a boy before and it was going to happen at SummerSlam. Thank God that's not happening because that would have been so stupid. But still, we're at a point right now with what what is Bailey doing? She's got nothing going on for her right now. And that's a shame because she deserves a lot better than what she's getting. Uh, the Seth Rollins, Bray Wyatt stuff. I want to be interested, Ryan, but I'm not because it's the same typical Bray Wyatt BS. He talks a good game. Every single week on Raw, but he can't back it up at a big pay-per-view event. It's the same shit. It's something for Seth Rollins to do, and once he wins this feud, Seth should be back in the world title conversation. Uh, this is just something for Seth to do right now at the moment, but this is not benefiting Bray. Getting in the ring with Seth Rollins is not benefiting Bray. He's not going to win this feud. He's not the bigger star, and it's your typical Bray Wyatt feud. Bray Wyatt is a great talker. He's got a great character. And every single week, they do a great job in hyping up Bray Wyatt. But when the but when the big match happens, the guy cannot win the big one. It's the same old story for Bray. It's been going on for three freaking years. And WWE is still rolling with the same shit with Bray Wyatt. When is it going to end? I'm not so sure, but it's a damn shame because Bray Wyatt is one of their best workers and he doesn't deserve this type of treatment. Speaking of poor treatment, what in God's name are they doing with Finn Balor? Are they really going to put this guy, the first ever Universal Champion, the longest running NXT Champion in history, are they really going to put him in a feud with Elias freaking Samson? Are you kidding me? That's where we're going right now with Finn Balor? Hell, I'd rather see Finn versus Bray Wyatt because the characters would be interesting in that storyline. I am nowhere near interested in Finn versus Samson. I mean, yeah, it's, it's a good opportunity for Elias to, to try to make a name for himself, but I'm at a point with Elias Samson that he's just not good. His character sucks. His ability to sing, which is his gimmick, sucks. He's a solid ring wor in-ring worker, but not the greatest. The fans don't like this guy. Why are you pushing him? It makes no sense. 
and you put him with Finn Balor? I mean, can Finn do something better? Like, let's say, put him with freaking Gals and Anderson. What are they doing? Nothing. Of course, Gals and Anderson have nothing to do. Neither does Finn Balor. Right there, with both sides having nothing to do at the moment, should be the time where you should put these two, these three back together. But that's probably not going to happen because Vince doesn't have that type of creative uh, vision, basically. And the creative team... Don't have that vision either. So it's a shame that that's not happening. Uh, again, the Hardy Boys versus Cesaro and Sheamus. We've seen this numerous times. I'm happy the feud's going to end this Sunday. I'm hoping the Hardy Boys win because I don't want to see Cesaro and Sheamus as tag team champions anymore. Again, they've been good together. But you know my feeling, Ryan. These two are better off separated. And specifically Cesaro, who deserves a lot better than being another tag team wrestler. Uh, Enzo and Cass. Again, uh, it's... You know, interesting you want to say, but it's not going to be a long feud. I think this is going to be their only encounter uh, this Sunday. Cass is going to destroy Enzo Amore. Uh, there's rumors that it's going to be Big Show versus Cass at SummerSlam. I don't give a shit. Makes no sense to me. If you, you know, if you want to push Cass, push him. He should not be stuck in a stupid feud like this for a long time. So overall for Raw, I mean... It hasn't been all that great. I thought Raw was okay this week. I mean, other, I mean, the the Joe Brock stuff has been really good. There's been other some solid stuff on the show, but again, when it comes to the Sunday Ryan, the match card looks fantastic on paper, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to translate into a great show. Like I said, with Money in the Bank, we raved about the Money in the Bank card. We thought this was going to be one of the best shows of the year. It wound up being a major disappointment, other than the main event match. So. We can't always look at the, the match card and say this is going to be a great show. We don't know. When we look at WWE shows, it comes down to booking. And WWE's booking these days has been horrendous. And it wouldn't shock me this Sunday, Ryan, if their booking continues to be horrendous. The matches should be good. The match quality should be really good. But again, with WWE's case... Most of the time, it comes down to booking that determines the show. And who knows what the booking will be this Sunday. So, of course, we'll give our predictions in a little bit. But for Raw recently, it's been okay. Hasn't been great. The Joe Brock stuff's been fantastic. Roman Braun stuff has been really good. Other than that, the show has been meh. You know, the Dean Ambrose miss stuff is so stupid. Um, getting really annoyed about that. The women's division right now is very confusing with where they're going with this stuff. With Bailey, with Nia Jax. Um, the tag team division, they just continue to lose tag teams left and right. Enzo and Cass are done. Um, you know, you got the Hardy Boys, you got Cesaro and Sheamus. It's Gallus and Anderson are nowhere to be found now, which is a bigger shame. So overall, the Raw, I mean, they have their good moments, but they have a lot of bad moments. And that has been the continuing trend for Raw for a long time now. So we'll see what happens this Sunday. And we'll see what happens after Sunday when it comes to Raw. But overall again the results for Raw have not been that great. And it's killed the viewership. The viewership continues to decrease. And I just want to sit there and say. When will Vince ever learn that it's time to make changes. Because viewership is not going to rise just like that. With a flick of your finger. It has to. You have to make changes in order to bring fans back in you're drawing fans out you're pushing them out you want to bring them back in vince has got to do something to start changing his prop because if he continues to roll with this garbage he's going to continue to lose more viewers 
Yeah, uh, you know, not much really went down besides, you know, like you said, we just mentioned the uh, Samoa Joe Brock Lesnar stuff. Uh, you know, we continue to get the build uh, for Braun Strowman and Roman Reigns. It's going to go down this Sunday with the ambulance match. Uh, I mean, how many times have we seen this before? Oh, Roman Reigns is not here. Yeah, okay. Usually when they say that, it means he is going to be appearing later on in the show. It's exactly what happened. He appeared in the ambulance as the driver. Uh, you know, pretty cool spear to end uh, end Raw. He speared Braun off the stage onto like a bunch of the table and a bunch of stuff. I um, mean, cool stuff there. Should be a, a good match on Sunday. But yeah, and who wins? We'll get into that in a little bit. Um, like you said, the women's stuff continues to be confusing. I know we're getting Alexa Bliss and Sasha Banks this Sunday, but uh, you know Bailey and, and, and Sasha teaming up this week. Uh, I guess you just scrapped the Nia Jax thing. I mean, I thought Nia Jax and Alexa were going to get into a feud. Now I guess Alexa has uh, quote unquote persuaded Nia to stay with her and uh, not turn on her, you know, completely because she says all oh, the other women are against her. All this stuff. I don't know. I, I guess they just scrapped that. Good thing, though, because I want Alexa to still remain champion. I have no interest in seeing Nia Jax as the champion for right now, so I think Alexa and Sasha could be a really good thing if they drag it on past the Great Balls of Fire pay-per-view, so let's hope that they do. Uh, like you said, the Miz and Dean Ambrose stuff continues to be stupid. I mean, after last week's dumb segment uh, with LeVar Ball, I, I just, I have no interest in this. I mean, God, what a horrendous segment. We were talking about how, how awful the uh, This Is Your Life segment was with Alexa Bliss uh, and Bailey, you know, about a month ago. I think that that LeVar Ball segment on The Miz TV just hopped that segment as the worst segment ever. I mean, what a freaking disaster. They had to cut it short. That's how terrible it was. You could tell that that was not supposed to be the end of the segment. I know we didn't have a show last week, but I just wanted to touch on that. That was absolutely embarrassing. So freaking awful. And you know what? That's what they get. That's what Vince gets for bringing that joke on television. I have no more words. It was just so freaking embarrassing. But that feud has been just horrendous ever since Miz won the belt. Nobody cares about it anymore. Why Dean Ambrose is getting one more shot, it's stupid. It should have been a one-off on, on some random Raw instead of building it up again for another pay-per-view. No interest in seeing it. Like you said, the Hardy Boys uh, are going after Sheamus and Cesaro for the final time. 30-minute Iron Man match for the tag titles this Sunday. That should be interesting to see. And again, I have to really touch on... Enzo Amore's promo that opened up Raw this past week. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was excellent. It really was, Brian. I mean, it's no secret that this guy uh, is a great talker, but my God, that was a freaking epic promo from him. I was so into it. Every single word that he said, uh, it was freaking good. And then we seen him jump Cass on, on, in the back. I think this could really be something, and uh, I'm rooting for Enzo to really still make a name for himself after this is all said and done, because we all know he could be the odd man out, we all know the big money is in big cast, uh, but I hope Enzo makes something out of himself, and based on what we saw the past week, I think there is some potential, I don't know what he's going to do, but if he could stay relevant, you know, just be a jobber, just... If he could get TV time each week on Raw, I think it's a success. It really is, because we've seen guys that get TV time that lose all the time, but at least they're getting on television. There's some people who sit in the back and don't do anything, and, you know, you just forget about them. So, I mean, good for Enzo Amore. He really knocked it out of the park this week, and I'm looking forward to see how the match goes down on Sunday, and we'll see. I, I would assume this, this continues and ends at SummerSlam. I don't know for sure, but I'm hoping that's the case. But I'm intrigued so far. I think it's been good. It's been off to a great start. And we'll see the culmination of it uh, on Sunday and probably, uh, you know, ho hopefully it gets dragged out. But, yeah, as for, you know, what I just mentioned, like you said, Brian, Raw has its great moments and then it has its bad moments. But, again, I think it'll always be just that. 
is a three-hour program. Uh, it's very difficult to have every segment be stellar, and obviously when you're the WWE, that's unlikely to be the case most of the time. So uh, it is what it is for Raw, and you know I guess this is the best it's going to get at the moment. Uh, yeah, and speaking of the Enzo promo, that I mean that's where the money is when it comes to Enzo more. And I said it before on the show that the only reason why he's in this company and the only reason why he's making the money and he's getting the TV time is because of his microphone skills. It has nothing to do with his wrestling. And he's mentioned it before as well that yeah, he's not a good wrestler and he and he thinks that once Enzo and Cass split up, which they are, that he should be a manager. And and that's why I think, like you said, Ryan, you want to put Enzo on television. The best way to do it is to have him be a manager, not as a wrestler. Right? The guy just can't cut it as a wrestler. And the idea of this rumor going around that he's going to be putting 205 Live is absurd. He's not going to do well there. All right? That's a show for great wrestlers, and Enzo is not that. If he ever stepped foot in the ring with a Neville, with a TJP, with a Cedric Alexander, he would get embarrassed. All right? Those guys are world-class athletes. Enzo's not. The money in Enzo is his talking. And what do talkers do most of the time in WWE? They're managers. I mean, some of the best talkers in the history of this business. Paul Heyman, Bobby Heenan, uh, Freddie Blassie, all these great managers. You know, you know, they were known for being great talkers. And I think that's where Enzo should do. Enzo where he should be when this whole thing is done. He should be a manager. Again, who will he manage? Who should he manage? I don't freaking know. That's up for WWE to decide. But put him with somebody. Put Enzo with somebody to manage. And let Enzo be the mouthpiece of that person. I definitely guarantee you that whoever he they put him with and Enzo is a talker, they can create some magic there. Again, I think the person should be right. They have to find the right person. But Enzo, to me, his future in this company has got to be his manager because that's the strength of his character. He's a great talker. He's not a good wrestler. He's a great talker, and his talking should lead him to become a manager for some specific superstar. So we'll see what happens with this storyline moving forward. In terms of the LeVar Ball segment, I mean, Jesus Christ. I mean, from the moment they announced that he was going to be on Raw, I knew it was going to be a disaster. It was not going to – first and foremost, what was the po- what was the point? I, I'll tell you what the point is. The, the point to bring LeVar Ball and his two sons on was to draw ratings. It had nothing to do with the impact the current storylines, all right? Their goal to bring in the balls was to draw ratings. Did it draw ratings? I'm not so sure. I didn't see the ratings that week. Maybe it did. But the segment was an absolute disaster. And that's not shocking. Uh, are the balls wrestling fans? I don't know. I don't think so they are. Um, and, and the whole segment was so stupid. Now, yes, I agreed that putting LeVar with the Miz was the right way to go, but it was so stupid. I mean, the way LeVar was running down the ring like a goofball, the stupid back and forth with the Miz and LeVar. LeVar takes his shirt off, you know, jumping around saying, let's go, me and you one-on-one. Oh, you're not part of the, the ball of brand. I'm going to put Dean Ambrose in the ball of brand. And then his freaking son, LaMelo, has to throw out the N-word on national television. Holy crap. We have chaos in the back. Vince and Kevin Dunn are losing their freaking minds. It was a disaster. And, you know, a lot of the wrestlers have every right to be mad. Uh, Curtis Axel spoke about it. He was pissed off. Braun Strowman was pissed off. The Miz was pissed off. And how stupid it was. You know, the balls went out there and just did what they wanted to do. And 
It was a disaster. And this segment did absolutely nothing to impact the storyline. All right? Like, you know, Mike Tyson was a perfect example of a big-time celebrity that drew ratings, but at the same time impacted storylines. That's what celebrities should do. I'm not saying celebrities should not be on the show. They should because they can do something with the product. But they should not be just there to draw ratings. They have to be involved in the show. They got to be involved in the storyline. Mike Tyson did that better than anybody. They brought him in because they knew he was, you know, he was one of the hottest things at the time back in 98. He was going to draw a lot of ratings, which he did. But at the same time, Vince McMahon knew that he needed Mike to do something big to get people talking. And what did Mike Tyson do? He got into an altercation with Stone Cold freaking Steve Austin, which led to, of course, the rise of Stone Cold. You know, Mike Tyson became the referee at WrestleMania against, you know, the, the Austin Michaels match. Austin wins the match. That began his run. That was perfect. Even the Floyd Mayweather stuff was great. When they brought Floyd in, another guy at the time, very popular, brought him in for ratings. He wasn't there for just ratings. He was a part of a storyline. He wrestled the big show at WrestleMania. I love that stuff. I thought that was great. But the LeVar Ball stuff was the complete opposite. He was there for just the ratings. He did nothing to impact the show. And he did what he wanted to do. And it didn't turn out well. His son's throwing out the N-word. Lonzo's just sitting there like, what the F am I doing here? LeVar's acting like a jackass. It was stupid. It really was stupid. And like you said, Ryan, that's what WWE gets. That's what Vince McMahon gets. That's what Kevin Dunn gets for for doing a stupid thing like this and putting those idiots on the show for no freaking reason. Again, yeah, I know why you did it because you want to draw ratings, but... Have them do something to impact the show. They did nothing to impact the show, and that's what killed the segment. So that's all I'm going to say about that. It was a disaster, but it's not shocking. I knew it was going to be a disaster from the very moment they announced that LeVar was going to be on the show. It was going to be a disaster. So there you have it with that. In terms of SmackDown, uh, of course, the past couple of weeks, Carmella, once again, missed Money in the Bank. Shocking. Again, for some reason, you know, if they're going to have Carmella win the briefcase again, what was the point of the first finish? What, to continue the feud? Some person told me, oh, they want Carmella. They want to show people that Carmella can win on her own. They could have shown that at freaking Money in the Bank. Didn't have to do it on a second time. Didn't make sense to me. Uh, of course, this past Tuesday, Ellsworth gets suspended. 30 days, blah, blah, blah. Stupid stuff there. Uh, AJ Styles wins the Independence Day Battle Royal, becomes a new... Number one contender for the Intercontinental Championship against Kevin Owens. Good to see. Uh, that feud should be really solid. Um, you know, the Usos and the New Day continue their feud. Uh, Nakamura is now look like he's facing Baron Corbin now. Sami Zayn's acting like a goofball, interrupting Mike and Maria Kanellis and their love angle stuff. Um, and that's really nothing else you could say, really. I mean, SmackDown as of late. Has been okay, but it could be better. You know, some of the booking decisions have been weird. Uh, Jinder Mahal, Randy Orton, Punjabi prison match. People are excited about it. I, I don't know what to expect. I really wasn't a fan of the match when it you know debuted back, what, 10 years ago when the great colleague debuted it. Um, I'm not sure what to expect with this match. It's going to be the final match between Randy and Jinder. Uh, we'll see what happens with that. John Cena versus Rusev again. Really? I mean, that's what you bring John Cena and Rusev back for, to face each other again. First and foremost, it's good to see John Cena back. I will admit that because John Cena is very important to the company. But 
I feel so freaking bad for Rusev that you know he he was out of action for months with an injury. It looked like that you know him going to SmackDown was going to be some big things coming up for him. First time he comes back, he's got to face John Cena. Why? Why are you doing this to Rusev? Because we all know Ryan Rusev is not going to beat John Cena. That's a given. That's a guarantee. Rusev is not going to beat John Cena because John Cena is going to be chasing that world championship very, very soon, and he can't afford to lose if that's the case. Not good on Rusev's part. He should not be in this position whatsoever. It's a shame that he is. They got nothing for Rusev to do. I mean, let's be honest. He should do something better. I don't know what the hell they're doing with that, but uh, it sucks to see that Rusev's stuck in that position because we all know he's not going to win. So that sucks, and that's pretty much it for SmackDown, really. I mean, nothing really is going on. Hype bros are splitting up. Don't care. Uh, American Alpha splitting up, to me, is stupid. I mean, yeah, Jordan and Gable can hang on their own, but come on already. You're, you, you already split up a lot of tag teams. Why are you splitting up another tag team? You lost Enzo and Cass. You're, you're, you're going to lose the Hype bros, and now you're going to throw away American Alpha? You're killing your tag team division. What are you doing? Makes no sense. Why are you splitting up American Alpha? That's not a guarantee. But for the past two weeks, Chad Gable's been working as a singles guy. No! These two should be a tag team. They were brought up to be a tag team. Not to be separated yet. Yeah, they're going to be separated at some point. But not now. It's too early. Oh, I don't understand. Vince is basically killing his own tag team divisions. It's stupid. So... I mean, that's pretty much it for SmackDown, really. I mean, again, you know, Battleground's happening in a couple of weeks. Owens versus AJ for the United States title. Mahal, Randy Orton again for the World Championship. Cena's back. Rusev's back. Nakamura, Corbin. So much stuff going on with SmackDown. Again, it's been okay, but we all know, Ryan, it could be a lot better. The booking could be a lot better. The storylines could be a lot better. And, you know, and SmackDown should be a lot better. That's all I'm <laughs> all i'm pretty much saying so smackdown this week was okay but again we'll see what happens with battleground the next coming weeks but their shows definitely should be a lot better than what they are right now yeah of course i mean we all know that that's no secret but i think you know the battleground card is shaping up pretty nicely with the feuds that are going on right now uh like you said john cena was back back this past week yeah his for now, it sucks for Rusev. Let's just put it there, plain and simple. Obviously, like you said, he's not going to win. So you thought Rusev coming back was going to be, you know, shot in the arm for him, uh, could do big things, but it's not going to be off to a good start by losing in a flag match to John Cena. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that. But I guess John Cena needs a comeback match. So there it is. Uh, that's what we're getting here. Uh, Corbin and Shinsuke Nakamura continue to feud. That's pretty intriguing. I mean, I guess you know. Corbin's a good opponent for Nakamura, and it gives Corbin something to do while he holds the money by briefcase, so that should be pretty good. Um, Mike Kanellis and Sami Zayn, I'm intrigued by that, too. Sami, of course, keeps inter interrupting him and Maria Kanellis, uh, so I would assume that happens at Battleground uh, as well. Of course, you have the Money in the Bank stuff still with Carmella and James Ellsworth. Of course, Daniel Bryan suspending James Ellsworth this past week on SmackDown for 30 days. Uh, now Carmella just has to <laughs> go about her business without him. We'll see how that plays out. We see Naomi and uh, Lana again. Lana losing again. I mean, uh, enough is enough here. Let, let Naomi move on to a better challenger at this point. Uh, well, we don't want to see Lana here anymore. I don't really know what the point is week after week, giving her another shot after another shot, and her keep losing. 
I mean, again, what's the freaking point? Why are they dragging this thing out? I do not want to see Lana in women's title matches anymore. So uh, I've just I've seen enough already. And, of course, AJ Styles becoming the number one contender to Kevin Owens. That is no shock and shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. Obviously, after Backlash, that feud is going to continue, but it took uh, a little time off because he had the Money in the Bank pay-per-view, and both of those guys were involved in the Money in the Bank. But here we are. We're getting the match again at Battleground. That should be good. It's always great to see those guys go uh, toe-to-toe against each other. So, yeah, I mean, right now, looking at the Battleground card, I think it looks great. Of course, uh, the Pajambi Prison match that was announced last week, too, that was rumored for the longest time. Everybody's laughing at it. Everybody thinks it's funny. But you know what? I'm intrigued by it. You know, first match in 10 years that we're going to see this match. Uh, you know, of course, we've seen it in the past with guys like the Great Khali, and I think we've seen Undertaker and the Big Show in it. Uh, again, it's going to be all right. I think it's interesting. Again, I know it's made of bamboo, and everybody laughs at the structure of it. I think they'll clean it up nicely for television. I'm curious to see if it's the same thing that we saw 10 years ago. Uh, but I'm intrigued by it. It's something fresh. It's something new. It's something different. It's not a regular steel cage. It's a little bit more intriguing. Uh, so we'll see how it goes. Obviously, we all expect Jinder Mahal to retain the belt. Like I said, I think the Battleground card is shaping up pretty nicely. And, yeah, that's SmackDown in a nutshell. So I think it's been pretty good. I think it's been better than Raw, even though I think Raw's had the better storylines as of late. I think SmackDown's been more interesting uh, segment-wise. So, again, we know what we're getting with WWE programming week after week. So that's all I'm going to really say about that. Now, in terms of NXT, of course, last night we had the 400th episode of the brand. And a main event match between Roderick Strong and Bobby Roode for the NXT Championship. Um, I knew the spoilers right away, so but I was more interested in seeing how the match was going to go. Uh, a great match, really was. Both guys look great. Roddy looked fantastic, as always. Bobby, of course, was Bobby. Uh, Roode winning, again, no surprise. I, I mentioned it before that, you know, I even though how much they're building up Roderick Strong, the way they're building him up, he's not going to be the one. Uh, it's a shame that he's not the one because they have done a tremendous job in booking Roger Strong and he deserves to be a champion. But you can just tell, Ryan, that the moment Drew McIntyre made his return to the brand, that he's going to be the one. He really is going to be the one. And do and do expect people to see McIntyre versus Bobby Roode for that championship at TakeOver Brooklyn. It's going to happen. I'm not sitting here. Not an opinion. It's a fact. It's going to happen. And... In terms of what Roderick Strong is going to do, I don't know. I, I really don't know what Roddy's, what he's going to do next. And that's why I think, Ryan, at this point in time with the brand, they have, they have got to add a mid-card belt. Because not only is Roderick Strong right now, his his future question, what is Aleister Black doing? I mean, right now, he's been with the company for, what, two months in with the brand? And he has yet to take part in a feud. He's yeah, he's had his appearances. He's faced some great opponents recently. Recently, Cassius Ono, but he really hasn't done anything else. And they gotta figure out something with Alistair Black. And uh, the other day, there was a rumor going around on what the card could look like at Takeover uh, Brooklyn, and Alistair Black is not on that card. How is he not on that card? He's one of the hottest performers on your com- in your company, and he's not on your card. Not official, but that's what the rumor looks like. So. That's why I think they're going to add a mid-card belt because guys like Black, guys like Strong, guys like Cassius Ono, even Hideo Itami, they're all not going to get the opportunity to become a champion, the world champion, especially with you know Bobby Roode still being there, Drew McIntyre there, Adam Cole should be there very, very soon. Those guys are going to be world champions, and 
you know, it ha and you have to give these other guys something to do. And that's why adding a mid-card belt is really necessary because a guy like Black, a guy like Strong could do something big time right now with that championship. But the match list thing was fantastic. Check it out if you haven't yet. Uh, two weeks ago, I got to talk about this. The Asuka-Nikki Cross match, holy shit, was that good. Definitely one of the best matches of the year, in my opinion. One of the best women's matches I've ever seen. And for the reason being that these girls went all out. They went all out. They these There were so many spots in this match that you would, you would just not expect to see women take. I mean, you know, you had the... You know, the, the couple of chair spots, you know, cross power bombing Oscar through chairs on the outside. Um, you know, the, the Oscar throwing cross off the top rope through a bunch of chairs. And then to the big spot at the very end where Oscar suplexes uh, cross off the ladder through the announce table. Girls these days don't take that spot. And Oscar and Nikki Cross with their characters are, are two girls that can take those spots. And they delivered a heck of a match. It was the last women's standing match. Oscar won. No surprise there. Next question becomes, who's facing Asuka next? It's going to be Ember Moon. It, it is going to be Ember Moon. And if you're going to take the belt for Asuka, it has to be the Ember Moon. And it has to be now. I think if you have any plans of putting Asuka on the main roster and you want to take that belt off of her, have it happen at TakeOver Brooklyn against Ember Moon. But I'm still of the mind that I think Asuka should go up on the main roster still undefeated because it's a great story. She has yet to be beat in the WWE. Why wouldn't you want to continue that story heading into the main roster? So NXT as of late has been really solid. Uh, I am interested to see uh, what's going to happen next. Uh, you know, Next week, of course, John Gargano makes his return to the brand. Uh, unfortunately, Tommaso Ciampa is going to be out of action until next year which is a humongous blow because there was great potential for uh champa and gargano to have one of the best feuds of the year and that's not going to happen now with champa being out really damn shame about that uh in terms of what gargano's going to do next who the heck knows i'm not sure what his role is going to be with nxt maybe they bring him up on the main roster maybe he goes to 205 live and joins the cruiserweights but that's a question that i'm looking forward to seeing to be answered really soon but nxt's been really solid as of late uh, of course, we're we're getting closer to TakeOver Brooklyn. That should be here very, really soon. And which means the car should be shaping up to be uh, to be looking good uh, pretty soon. So NXT last night was really good. Two weeks ago was really good. And right now, when we look at the WWE, that's the only positive with the company right now. Raw has been meh. SmackDown as of late has been meh. NXT, though, has continued to be really, really solid. And I just think once they get more help in the tanking division... And if they add a secondary belt, then they could be even better. But that's what they got to do. They got to really improve this tag team division. And there are tag teams out there for them to get. All right, War Machine are free agents. They're no longer with Ring of Honor under contract. They could still resign, but right now, not under contract. Red Dragon is out there. Fish and O'Reilly. And speaking of Bobby Fish. He appeared at NXT at the recent TV tapings, and that should be broadcasted, I believe, within the next two weeks. So, you got Bobby Fish in, guess what? You got to bring Kyle O'Reilly in and reform Red Dragon, because that right now is the biggest weakness when it comes to NXT. Their women's division stacked. Their main event pitcher stacked. Right now, they need tag teams, all right? They only got the Authors of Pain and Heavy Machinery. That's not good, all right? No more DIY. TM61... Who knows when they're coming back? 
They lost Revival. They lost American Alpha. They need tag teams badly. And there are tag teams out there that they can get. Like I said, Red Dragon and War Machine are the two tag teams that stand out the most. So we'll see what happens moving forward with NXT. But right now, when you look at the WWE, the only positive with this company has been NXT. And it's going to be the and it's going to remain the biggest positive because their shows are good weekly. They have a deep roster. And Triple H just knows how to book the talent, how to book the shows to the best of its ability. So NXT has been really good lately, and it should be even better moving forward. Yeah, it has been really good. And like you mentioned, that Oscar-Nikki cross match, the last woman standing, was incredible. I mean, uh, very hard-hitting uh, with chairs and, of course, the big spot with the ladder. Uh, you know, Oscar suplexing Nikki through the announce table a crazy spot i mean just got a huge pop from the crowd uh again like you said brian you don't really see girls get down and dirty like this i know we've seen a huge women's revolution in the wwe and we've seen it obviously matches we haven't seen before with the women such as hell in a cell and of course we've just seen the first ever women's money in the bank but this was a badass women's match uh i don't we haven't seen a badass women's match like this in roster uh it's more than i could say for for that uh oscar won like you said to no surprise uh but yeah it was a really really good match nikki cross has been a really good uh challenger for oscar and really has given her a run for her money but she of course remains undefeated uh this past week's nxt with uh bobby Roode and roderick strong very very good matchup there of course no surprise bobby Roode is still the champion coming out of that but it's good to see roderick strong get his opportunity and he showed that he could hang with guys like Bobby Roode, and he could be the next face of NXT. I don't think it's going to happen because of how deep the main event scene is at the moment with all these guys, Cassius Ono, Drew McIntyre, Alistair Black. I just think Roderick Strong is probably going to be the odd man out out of all those guys. But uh, it's good to see him hold his own there, and it was a very, very solid match. But like you said, what in the world are NXT doing with A-lister Black? The guy is basically doing nothing. Like you said, Brian, he doesn't even have a feud lined up. It's just inexcusable. I mean, I know that there's been rumors that they're going to bring him up to the main roster because Vince loves him. But again, if you're going to do that, do it already. Don't just freaking hold him down in NXT doing absolutely nothing, having takeover shows come and go, and where he's not even on the card. He's not even featured. I mean, he hasn't fought on a takeover card since Mania. Okay, I know there's only been one in between, but now we have another one coming up, and the rumored card, he's not even on it. He's not even involved in a feud, so how can he even have a match on it? It's unacceptable, it really is. The guy is tremendous. He's got a huge future ahead of him. You have to have him featured. I want to see more A-lister black, and we're not getting that right now. That's a damn shame. Uh, so, yeah, we're getting closer to TakeOver Brooklyn. The shows continue to get better. Like you said, Bobby Fischer appeared on the TV tapings. That's happening in the next couple of weeks. We got Moro Ronaldo on commentary now, which mm-hmm. we forgot to mention. It's freaking good, man. It's good stuff. Him and Nigel McGuinness. And, of course, you got Percy Watson sitting there. Still, I don't know why in the God's name he's there. A two-man booth. That's all you need. I hate this freaking three-team announce team. You just need two guys to commentate a, a wrestling match. You don't need three. I know we see it on Raw. We see it on SmackDown. But it's, we don't need to see it there either. Why in the world is he a commentator? But uh, other than that, NXT has been great. And I'm looking forward to take over Brooklyn uh, in, in about, you know, in less than a month. So, I mean, more than a month. But, you know, it should be good to lead up to that. Yeah, I mean, Percy Watson... And, I, and I've said this uh, numerous times. What's, what, what's the point of three-man teams 
each show, all right? Again, each brand, SmackDown, Raw, NXT, should only be two guys. Raw, it should be Cole and Graves. SmackDown, it should be Tom Phillips and JBL. And NXT, it should be Mauro Ronaldo and Nigel McGuinness, and that's it. No need for Percy Watson. No need for Booker T. No need for Byron Suxton. No need for David Otunga. These guys mean nothing to me. Let it be two-man teams, but that's not going to happen. So let's now move ahead to give our predictions, guys. We're about 10 minutes left on the show. Great Balls of Fire, of course, happens this Sunday um, in uh, Dallas, Texas, the American Airlines Center. We have eight matches on the card. We'll start off with the pre-show match for the Cruiserweight Championship. Neville versus Akira Tozawa, who is now officially a part of the Titus brand. Don't know why, but he is. Uh, easy pick, it's going to be Neville. I mean, right now, when you look at all the champions on the main roster, the best booked champion at the moment is Neville, and it's not even close. He's had the longest reign out of all the current champions, and he's the most believable champion out of every single one of them. He's been killing as of late, and he's become a, a guy that looks unbeatable in that division. Now, and we're asking questions. Who can beat this guy? I mean, he's beating Austin Aries. He's beating Rich Swan. He's beating TJP. And probably going to be Tazawa this Sunday. Who is going to be Neville? I don't know. Not going to happen this Sunday. Give me Neville to retain the Cruiserweight Championship. Yeah, easy pick, obviously. Like you said, he's been the best book champion up until this point. You know, again, I thought Austin Aries was the perfect guy to defeat him. That wasn't the case. Uh, I like Akira Tazawa a lot. But I just don't think he's the right guy either. I really don't. I don't know who the hell is looking at this Cruiserweight division. I don't know who is going to beat Austin Aries. I mean, uh, Neville, excuse me. Unless they bring up a day with Tommy or somebody like that, I think that is a possibility. But looking at the you know the Cruiserweight division at the moment, all the challengers that are there, I don't see any guy that's better than Neville or who could top Neville. I think you keep the belt on him until, again, you get some guy like Hideo Itami in there uh, who could really give him a run for his money. So, yeah, I think he's a pick here. Neville retains the Cruiserweight title. I'll tell you this, though, Ryan. I think there's one guy that makes a lot of sense to beat Neville, and that's Gargano. I think Jarn Gargano makes a lot of sense because right now, with Ciampa out of action until basically next year, what is Gargano realistically going to do in NXT? He's got nothing. I really again. We talked about the field of talent that are there. You are you expecting to see Gargano make a huge impact on that brand as a loner? I don't see it. So if you want to utilize Gargano to the best of his ability, let him go to 205 Live and let him be the one to beat Neville. I think right now he's the most believable guy to beat him, and I would love to see that. Even though yes, part of me still thinks Gargano should be doing big things in NXT or big things in the main roster. I think right now, though, in the situation they're in, Gargano makes a lot of sense to beat Neville for that belt. But again, we don't know what they're thinking at the moment. Moving on to our next matchup. Again, Enzo versus Big Cass. The story has been very interesting. The split up between these two guys. But it's not going to be a long feud. Cass is going to beat Enzo this Sunday. Easily, in my opinion. I mean, Enzo will have his share moments. But Big Cass is going to squash his former best friend, and then probably move on to a sure few with the big show. And then after that, Cass will begin his um, his run uh, as a singles guy. So give me big Cass to win this Sunday easily. Yeah, I don't know. I want to pick a winner here. But then again, how do you continue that feud? You know, if big Cass just wins, 
I think that's it. I think that's the end of it. And I don't think this pay-per-view is just going to be a one-off. I think this match will happen at SummerSlam as well. So I'm going to go with no winner. I think it's going to be a disqualification, whether, you know, uh, Cass gets too ahead of himself and just starts beating the hell out of Enzo with a chair or whatever it is. I think it's going to be uh, disqualification. I don't think we got a winner because, again, this feud's got to continue. And if Big Cass wins, I think that's it. And, of course, Enzo's not winning. So I don't think we get a winner here. All right, so that's a definitely interesting uh, decision right there by you. Um, moving on to the uh, tag team title match, the 30-minute Ironman match for the tag team titles. I think that's the first time in history that we're seeing that. But Cesaro and Sheamus versus the Hardy Boys. Um, I'm going to pick Cesaro and Sheamus right now. They just got the belts back. I don't see them dropping the belts. I wanted to see the Hardy Boys win, but right now I think they're going to keep the belts on these two guys for some stupid reason. Should be a good match. I mean, the chemistry between both teams has been really good, but booking-wise, it's not been really good with this feud. It should be a lot better, but uh, give me Cesaro and Sheamus to retain. Yeah, the stipulation is interesting. Uh, you know, I think this is the first time ever that we're really seeing a 30-man Ironman match uh, for the tag team titles, so that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, I think Sheamus and Cesaro hold on to these belts. I, I don't see the Hardy Boys regaining them. Um, if they do, I just don't see a point in losing them in the first place. I think this will be done with their feud, and then they'll move on. We'll see what happens after that. I know Jeff Hardy just tweeted out uh, some cryptic thing today. He tweeted mm-hmm. out 717 uh you know 17 so i don't know what that means that's july 17th that's a monday night raw in the next coming weeks i don't know what that means but again i don't think uh, the parties regain the belts i think they go their separate ways eventually so i think this ends their feud and a shame since are over team i'll say this though about that ryan i do believe that monday night raw that night is going to be delightful uh, next matchup is for the Intercontinental Championship. The Miz versus Dean Ambrose. Again, a feud that has gone on way too long. The storyline is getting stupider. The booking of this feud has been really poor. But I think it's going to come to an end this Sunday, and it's going to be the Miz retaining. I am intrigued to see where they're going to go with this Miz entourage, but he's got to move on to a different feud. Dean Ambrose is just starting to get older. Uh, so just give me the Miz to retain and move on to a different opponent because that's what that's what Miz needs right now, right? Miz is too good to be stuck in, in this long-ass feud with Dean Ambrose, whose character just continues to get bad. So give me the Miz to retain. Yeah, um, I think the Miz has to win clean here. I don't know how he does, but uh, again, this can't drag on. This has to end. I think it definitely does, uh, whether Maurice gets involved or whether Curtis Axel uh, and Bo Dallas help out the Miz now because they're his lackeys, basically. Um, the Miz wins I mean, it's it's couldn't be any more obvious. There's no way Dean Ambrose is getting this belt back, and hopefully this is the end of these two. I do not want to see these two wrestle after this Sunday. I'm just sick of it already. Yeah, it has to end. Uh, next matchup, Seth Rollins versus Bray Wyatt, just a normal singles match. This could be a long feud. Um, I think going to SummerSlam, uh, I'm going to pick Seth Rollins to win no matter what, though, because, again, when it comes to Bray Wyatt and the booking on him, he gets hyped up every single Monday, but in the very end, he can't win the big match. And I see that same storyline happening this Sunday. So give me Seth Rollins to beat Bray Wyatt. Yeah, I think so as well. I'm intrigued with this because uh, this is something that's fresh. It's kind of new. We haven't really seen Seth go one-on-one with Bray Wyatt before. So, I mean, again, we know what how this could probably end for Bray Wyatt. He never wins this kind of stuff. Uh, but it is intriguing. I'm excited to see the match. But I think Seth wins this Sunday. 
Moving on to the women's championship match, uh, Sasha Banks versus Alexa Bliss. Uh, this should be a very solid match, and it should be a good feud. I think these two girls will have great chemistry together, both as in-ring workers and characters. But, again, Alexa Bliss, to me, will retain this belt. She should. She's, right now, in my opinion, the best performer in that division. She's the rightful champion. So give me Alexa Bliss to retain. Yeah, I think somehow Alexa retains. I think she probably cheats to win or gets help from Nia Jax or something like that. Um, I, I just don't see Sasha winning the belt right now, but this is intriguing. I like to see Sasha involved in the women's title picture. Her and Alexa is something fresh and new, something we have not seen. So I'm looking forward to it on Sunday. Hopefully it's not a one-off. Hopefully it drags on to you know SummerSlam, but uh, who knows? Only time will tell with that. But I definitely think Alexa holds on to the belt after this Sunday. Next matchup is an ambulance match. Roman Reigns versus Braun Strowman. Definitely going to be the final encounter between these two for a long time. Braun Strowman should win this match, but in in, in honesty, it's going to be Roman Reigns. Because I have a feeling that after this match is done, Roman's going to get his, op his opportunity for that belt at SummerSlam. I mean, we've heard rumors it could be WrestleMania, but... In my opinion, I think it's better off saved for Wrestle for SummerSlam, so that we can have a potential Cena versus Roman match at WrestleMania. So, uh, yeah, it should be Braun Strowman because if there's any person that deserves to face Brock Lesnar next for that belt, it should be Braun Strowman. But again, Vince loves his Roman Reigns. Uh, Braun's had most of the advantage in this feud. He's not going to win this Sunday. Give me Roman Reigns to beat Braun Strowman. Yep, it's going to be a lot of angry people after this match. Uh, yeah, Roman Reigns is going to win because we all know the plans that were supposed to happen at WrestleMania next year are probably getting changed to SummerSlam. It makes sense. I'm happy for that because I want the belt off of Brock Lesnar as soon as possible. I mean, God, we can't go another half a year uh, with Brock still as the champion. We just can't. I mean, I'm sick and tired of him showing up when he wants here and there. And just not seeing the belt on Raw, it's really hurting the, hurting the show as it really is. I mean, Raw is not good as it is. Uh, not having the belt there to help that. So I think Roman wins out the ambulance match again. Ambulance matches have been so stupid in the past. I really hate them. It's a dumb stipulation, but, uh, you know, it should be interesting. Uh, Braun's going to lose, though, unfortunately. I think Roman gets the win here. <laughs> And finally, we got into this match a lot, and we're going to, of course, give our final predictions. Brock versus Joe. Again, like we mentioned before, the storyline has been really interesting between these two guys. They've built Joe up really strongly. In the very end, though, it's not going to be enough to beat Brock Lesnar, unfortunately. It should be Joe to beat Brock, but again, Vince McMahon loves the part-timers. He's going to give this match to Brock Lesnar. And I think Brock's going to defend this belt. SummerSlam, probably against Roman Reigns, drop the belt there. And where does Joe go from here? After this match, I'm not so sure. Hopefully, they got a plan for Joe because he's too good to do nothing. So, again, my hope is, Ryan, the match is just competitive enough where it's it's going to be okay. Brock win is no shock, but I just want this to be a great match. If it's not a good match, I will be irritated. I will be angry. You don't want that to happen. So, I'm hoping for a competitive matchup in the very end. Easy decision. Brock Lesnar is going to retain the Universal Championship. Yeah, I mean, we can't say it enough. We've mentioned it so many times before. It's just going to be a competitive match. Samoa Joe needs to look strong coming out of it somehow. He can't just be beaten down, suplexed uh, to the moon. He has to show that he could, you know, he has a chance to win at least. You know, I want, I want a spot in that match where we go, oh, my God, Samoa Joe's going to win here. I want something like that. I want to see some offense. Obviously, we all know Brock's going to retain this belt, though, because obviously we just mentioned Roman Reigns and Brock possibly going to happen. 
at SummerSlam. So, unfortunately for Samoa Joe, uh, his time is not right now. But again, a good showing against Brock Lesnar this Sunday could do wonders for him moving forward down the line. I think that could be, uh, you, it could really show that he is worthy of becoming a champion somewhere in the near future. So, Brock Lesnar for the win, but Joe has to look strong somehow coming out of it. Well, there you have it. Those are our predictions for Great Balls of Fire, which happens this upcoming Sunday. Now, in terms of next week, people, we may have a show. If we do, it's probably going to be on Wednesday. I will not be here next Thursday. I will be going on vacation in Orlando, Florida, where Ryan was last week. So I'm going to be uh, going down to Florida uh, some uh, later next week. So if we do have a show next week, we will have it on Wednesday. I'll try to... You know, get that all sorted out. But uh, thank you guys for tuning in again, guys. If you want to follow us on social media, go right ahead on Twitter at Royal Ramble IYR, on Facebook, facebook.com slash Royal Ramble Wrestling, Instagram at Royal Ramble Wrestling. Subscribe to our show on iTunes and Stitcher as well. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in again. We'll, we'll, keep, uh, we'll keep in touch with you guys on Instagram to see what will be going on next week. If we do have a show, it will be on Wednesday. So... Have a great weekend, everybody. Enjoy Great Balls of Fire, and hopefully we'll see you guys next week. I'm Brian Sendek. He's Ryan Martirano. This has been the Royal Ramble Wrestling Podcast. Catch you guys later. We'll see you some point down the road.